Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Well, still no Tom. Uh, we hopefully will have an update relatively soon on Tom Brenneman, but until then, I am Trace Fowler. This is Off the Bench, and it is presented by United Dairy Farmers. Perhaps we haven't mentioned it in quite some time, but just as a reminder, Tom's dealing with a vocal cord surgery situation, and he is expected to be back, hopefully, within uh, within a month or so. We'll see We'll see what, uh, what that looks like. But until then, as usual, you're stuck with me, and whether you like it or not, that's just the way it's going to be. The Reds win again. They win again. And at this point, it feels a little bit like destiny, or we're just big fans and we have big blinders on. We'll try to take those blinders off today, look at what this core looks like, try to figure out what the future holds, perhaps. There was an article, and by article, I mean a slander piece that was just written on ESPN+. And in, for some, when you log into your account on ESPN+, you might be able to see the full article, unlike me, but Reed fortunately was able to see it, and he says... The Cincinnati Reds are ranked 20th, 20th of the 30 MLB teams in the future core, whatever that means. And who knows, whoever wrote the article, I don't want to give them too much praise before I go full bore defense mode, but we'll peel back the onion a little bit on what the Cincinnati Reds core looks like, what their needs may be, and then obviously what's extended and what's in front of us in regards to the rest of the year. Reds win another one-run game. They beat the Detroit Tigers. They have a chance to sweep the series this afternoon. It's a day game. You got to love day games when you're doing a post-game show. They make your day just perfectly pleasant. But you know what? I'm not complaining because it's meaningful baseball. We're scoreboard watching. And today is September 14th, if you're keeping track. The Bengals, James Rapine, joins us at 1130. We're going to ask him. Is Joe Burrow hurt? Or, perhaps, if that's not a good enough answer, we'll ask him about Lionel Collins, what the offensive line depth looks like, and some other questions. If you have questions, as always, if you're in this chat and you're live in here every day and you want us to ask James Rapine something, now is the time to ask. No promises, but we're pretty, we're, we're pretty loyal people around here. If you want a question and we think it's worthwhile, you'd probably get on air. Probably got a good chance. In other, in other news to note, there is a football game that's played tonight, and it's the National Football League. Just so happens to be the most popular league in our country. The Eagles play Kurt Cousins in prime time. Can't wait to hear about that storyline. It's going to be driven to the ground. It's going to be driven to the ground, and it's going to be driven to the ground. Kurt Cousins can't win in prime time. Unless it's noon or 1 o'clock, Kurt Cousins is a terrible quarterback. I'm going to implore you tonight when you watch this football game and you're going to watch let's be honest you're going to watch because it's the nfl they could put up they could put that that game behind five different paywalls and you'd find a way to watch it and so would i but kirk cousins is not a bad quarterback and i've come to that conclusion last year when i watched him play against the giants in the playoff game yes they lost the game but i came away thinking to myself if i'm not giving kirk cousins enough credit i'm going to ask you tonight are you going to be able to watch that game Take, take, take away all of the uh, preconceived notions that you might have about Kirk Cousins, lay them to the side, and just watch him play and see what you think. Now, I say all that, and Kirk Cousins is probably going to go out there and throw three interceptions and 140 yards and basically lead his team to defeat. But 
That belongs to another NFC North quarterback, and I'll let you figure out who that is. We'll bring around the room of our <laughs> cast of characters because I'm going to rely on them heavily today, just like I'm going to rely on you in the chat. Reed, good to see you. Hey, good morning, Trace. Hi, my name's Nicholas Reed Mouse. I have blonde hair, blue eyes. One time on Twitter, I was called a proud boy. And shortly after discovering internet porn when I was 12 years old, I told my dad that I thought I was busty. So um, we heard some, some stats today that uh, Kirk Cousins is 3-1 and one in Thursday night football game. So primetime Kirk. No, we're going to switch the narrative now. I like that. Elliot. Doing great, Trace. Doing great. Another win for the Red Legs. Puts you in a good mood. Puts you in a good mood in the morning. When you think the season's dead, they just come back and they revive it time and time again. It's, it's a pleasant morning. It's, it's, it's beautiful outside today. I'm sure we'll talk about that when we get to the weather today. But I, I, I couldn't be better. I really couldn't be better right now than I am. You know, uh, the weather is a, is, a, is, a, uh, is a very good, valid point that you make. I've always made the joke, top 10 days of the year, top 10 days of the year around here. And I've said the top 10 days of the year when I go outside and it's relatively pleasant. And that turned into a little bit of a bit because I said it about 35 to 40 times throughout the year. The last two days is really a top 10 day of the year. Uh, if you can't find a chance to go outside and you live in Cincinnati, you just got to make an excuse to go outside. You got to do what I used to do in Spanish class, which is when you don't really enjoy something, you try to find a way out of it. Uh, the only way I could possibly, there's one thing I learned in Spanish, and the only way that you could go use the restroom, which was basically the get out of jail free card in, in, in high school, right? You could go use the restroom, wander the halls a little bit, find a way to burn up 10, 15 minutes, and then come back to the class and just keep bearing through it. Because that's what you got to do in life. You got to bear through high school. Uh, of course, if anyone's watching at the high school level right now, uh, high school's great. It's very, very important. You should buckle down, get make sure you get a really high score on your ACT, so then you can turn that around and go to go to a fine establishment university like Bluffton, and then turn around and then work with a bunch of yahoos like us every day and realize you probably don't use your degree at all. Or you could possibly be like me, go to school, get your degree. Get a corporate job for two years, realize that you, you, you really didn't learn anything because the real world hits you right in the face. And then you realize, okay, what do I got to do? And then you don't use any of it that you learned in, in college and you come back here. Now, of course, there's going to be people that are going to be pitchforks right now and say, oh, well, uh, yes, you do learn some things in college. I'm not downplaying education totally, but let's, let's, let's at least call a spade a spade here. Uh, most of the things you learn in school, in a book, in a book, things you learn outside of a book are pretty important, but in a book, not all that great. All right. The Reds and Casey McAllister. Casey might have called it. He's a little off track. I'm not going to give him total credit because he did say they were going to sweep the Mariners. That didn't happen. They were probably supposed to sweep the Cardinals. That didn't happen. But today, if they sweep the Tigers, Casey, have you ever left the bandwagon? Are you still on it? Where are you at? Um, Trace, I, uh, I never left the bandwagon. I always knew that they would be okay. And uh, to clarify, the, the sweeping, so to speak, that, that prediction, I believe, actually started with the Cardinals, um, if I'm not mistaken. But regardless, they are, they are uh, holding a playoff spot, Trace, and they still have 15 games left and relatively easy teams to play. How, we, how are you feeling? You feel like that we're in a really good spot right now. You think that we have a pretty good chance. What are the, I haven't looked at the percentages. I don't think they're, 
much Throw improved, those percentages but... right down the tubes. You know, at some point you realize that that stuff's just a bunch of jargon anyways. It's just something that someone else came up with to rationalize what they believe. Yeah, you can sit here and tell me for one second about, you know, the fan graphs, percentages, and all that. And listen, I love Nick Kirby as much as anybody. In fact, I'd guarantee you I'm one of big, Nick Kirby's biggest fans. But when we get into the whole statistical nature of 15 games left and this was what the percentage is of, of, of how good of a chance this team has or that team has well it's been right so far about the Reds hasn't it it said it had a one less than a one percent chance this year to make the postseason and now it's like 20x that how would you feel if I started the, the beginning of the year off and you looked at me and you said well <clears throat> should I invest into this stock and I said, no, you should invest. I mean, it's not going to go nowhere. The, 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 the computer algorithm tells you that it's only going to be a 1% chance. And then you turn around and you have a chance to 20x your initial return. And you're looking at me thinking, well, what happened? What happened is called life. It's called real life. It's sports. Anything can traditionally happen. And of course, I get why the models exist. Okay. Let me not downplay what, what, what analytics can be. This isn't an anti-analytics statement. It's an anti-analytics statement in a very shortened period of time. At this point, you know when they do the old proverbial joke during the rivalry games? Throw the record books out the window statement. Of course, that's blasphemy sometimes. But it has a little bit of the truth. Why? Because it is somewhat true. The reason it is said is because it's somewhat true. Behind every single joke, I hate to say this if you don't know it already, Behind every single sarcastic joke that somebody makes about you, there's a little bit of the truth in what they believe. If they're making fun of the fact that you're ugly, they think you're kind of ugly. They don't want to say it just straight up because they're your friend, but they'll make a joke about it. That's how things work. But when you have a shortened season like this, 15 games, what's the statistical nature matter anymore, period? So to answer your question in a long-winded way, Casey, I do believe this team has just as good of a chance as everyone else, and the only thing that's going to stop them is basically the injuries that have occurred. And that's the unfortunate truth, and I know, and I know, I know I'm not knee-deep in the depth charts of every single other MLB organization, but the Cincinnati Reds have dealt with more injuries and more situations that have gone on what seems to be in the past, obviously, few months than any team that I've come across. It starts the year off, if we want to go through this song and dance again, why don't we? It starts the year off with us saying out loud on these microphones that this team's not going to be very good. The only chance in hell this team is good is what? Okay, Hunter Green, Nick Lodolo, Graham Ashcraft. Those guys, if they end up being very, very good like we think, they're the big three. They're the big three, and we think that we're going to ride them into the, into the 75-win season. What if I remindedly also told you that Jonathan India was going to get hurt, have a pretty bad month and a half of baseball before he gets hurt? And, oh, by the way, Tyler Stevenson was going to be absolutely god-awful until the last month of the year. You add all that up, and it seems really ridiculous and impossible to imagine a scenario where the Cincinnati Reds will be holding a playoff spot on September 14th. It it. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever, and that in and of itself is why I love sports. I don't know why you love sports, but I'd venture to guess that the reason that you love sports is the unpredictability, the storylines that come with it, and it just is the purest form of competition 
that you cannot get in real life. Because when you get into corporate America, you realize there's games that are played. You realize that the best people don't always win. You realize that the most talented people get suppressed by other people because those other people have perceived privilege and power and they hold other people down. That's not how it works in sports. And that's why sports are the best. Because a guy named Ellie De La Cruz can come up and get red hot for two and a half, three weeks and carry a team on his back. Matt McClain can come up and carry a team on his back for what seems to be three months. Oh, by the way, if I must remind you that Matt McClain then gets hurt. Graham Ashcraft gets hurt. Graham Ashcraft has a bad couple starts. We think Graham Ashcraft's going down the tubes. Turns out he's not all that, he's not all that bad. He, he bounces back. Nick Lodolo, must I remind you, out for the entire year. Basically worthless this entire year. The only way that Nick Lodolo could have been worse this year is if he started all year long and was just god-awful. And it's no fault to Nick Lodolo. These are no faults to any of these guys. They play a sport, you get hurt, that's part of it. I'm not complaining because somebody gets hurt per se. I'm just throwing it out there and laying out the facts that when you, when you witness and watch what this team has been all year long, it's hard not to just sit back and be happy and appreciate it. And perhaps I go overboard and perhaps I sound preachy and perhaps I sound like I'm a fan standing on a pedestal and I don't mean to be that way. I really don't. I, I don't mean to be that way at all. You can fan however you want to fan. Just don't make fun of the fans that, that, that want to be supportive, that want to say that some people are doing a really good job. And the only reason that maybe you don't want to admit they're doing a good job sometimes is because, unfortunately, you put your foot in your mouth and you said they were horrible people and they were never good at their jobs and they were the worst people on planet Earth. This isn't about being right or wrong. That's not what my statements are about. That's not what I'm trying to get at right now. What I'm trying to get at is that you should just enjoy it because if you're not enjoying it now, when are you going to enjoy watching the Cincinnati Reds? It seems to be the answer would be never. Okay. What is, it, what is it left with the percentages and why does it look the way it looks when the Reds only have a 20-some-odd percent chance to make the postseason? Well, it's because they have so many teams at the disposal. If this was a one- or two-team race for the last spot, fellas, I think the Reds would have a 50-50 chance. Unfortunately, the only thing that can hold this team back right now is the injuries in the COVID situation. I really do mean that. If Matt McClain was on this baseball team right now and Graham Ashcraft was on this baseball team right now, they, they just those two, if you told me just those two guys were on the team right now, and I know they're not, so it's all hypothetical and it's all a bunch of you know what, I would venture to say that the Reds are in the postseason without a doubt, without a doubt. Because I watched this team enough to know, yes, you can look at the statistics, you can look at the analytics, you can look at all those things and say, well, statistically speaking, they're only got this percentage chance because X, Y, Z. I watch this team on a nightly basis and I just see, God honest, I know it sounds goofy, but it's just magic. It's just magic. When one portion of this team doesn't step up, someone else does. And it's been the bullpen time and time and time again. And the only scare I have and the only reservations I have is how long can this bullpen keep up? It seems unrealistic that they're going to enter a game into the fourth inning. The fourth inning with the one-run lead. And the Reds would not score again for the rest of the game 
and they win again on the heels of that same said bullpen pitching about 19 straight scoreless innings. That's just not realistic to keep up. I know it and you know it. But you know what? For some dumb reason, maybe it's just I'm a biased fan. And I'm, I can admit that I'm a, I'm a pretty biased fan. But maybe, just maybe, I think as soon as something else falters, this, this Reds offense is going to get hot. They've already shown signs of starting to put the ball in play much, 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 much greater than they were before. Right? There was about a month stretch of baseball here with the Cincinnati Reds that they could not find a barrel to save their life. They were swinging and missing more than, you know, Reed's pants. <laughs> but we're in a position now where all that's out the window. It doesn't matter. 15 games, take the statistics, God's honest truth. Take the percentages, throw them out the window. Quit worrying about it. We're going to win tonight, and tonight, by tonight I mean today. And then we're going to take the series. I'm not saying they're going to sweep the Mets. We're going to take the series from the Mets, and they're going to be a position where I think the rest of the city is going to be fired up. The question I have for you guys is, do you think for a half a second that the Cincinnati Reds will get the attention they deserve if they win today and take two or three from the Mets? Casey? Um, well, I, I will answer that question. I, I don't think that they'll get any attention, honestly. Um, they should, but they won't. I wanted to bring up one one quick little thing here. I've been looking at all the playoff contending wild card teams: Diamondbacks, Giants, Marlins, Cubs. Diamondbacks play Chicago and the Giants still five games. The uh, the, the 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 Giants only play two of those games against Arizona, but they play the Dodgers seven times. And then the Marlins, they still got to play Milwaukee four more times, Atlanta three more times. And do we do we hold the tiebreaker over them? That's the one team that we don't hold the tiebreaker. Right. Who are we talking not, about? The Reds Ma- do not Marlins. hold the tiebreaker over the Marlins. That's correct. They do not. They do not. No, okay. they do. Okay, but, let me be clear here before we have fake news on the channel. It's unlikely that they're going to have the tiebreaker against the Marlins. The Marlins is a unique situation where the Marlins and the Reds split. So the next tiebreaker, once they split, is what your divisional record is against your individual division, which is a dumb tiebreaker. I'm not here to defend it, but that's what Rob Manfred and his team came up with. Is that Does it seem ridiculous that that's what it is? Yes, because one division's a lot better than another division, which seems to be a little unfair. But I'm just defending the Marlins for half a second. I'd be pretty pissed if I was a Marlins fan. I figured out. <laughs> I'd figure if I figured out. That the Reds' record against the Pirates, the Cubs, the Brewers is what I'm going up against the Braves. And I don't know why I'm struggling and missing math here. Phillies. The the Braves and the Phillies. Um, And the Brewers, the Brewers are obviously pretty good. So, and the Brewers have had the Reds' number. But they're three games back of that number. Um, The Marlins, to, to be clear, the Reds are three back of the Marlins in that said divisional race. So... Let me let me finish. They this. probably don't hold yeah. the tiebreaker. Well, yeah, regardless, so like let if, me... if the Marlins do, if it got to the point where the tiebreaker matters, the Marlins are probably out of the race anyways because they'd have to lose their remaining games to to fall back to the red. So it, it, they, you're right; they probably don't have the tiebreaker. But go on, Casey. Regardless, let me let me just finish this thought here. The Diamondbacks they have a chance to 
here's here's the thing. Chicago and the Diamondbacks right now are probably the two two threats right now. Maybe the Giants to overtake the Reds in that wild card spot. I'm kind of disregarding the Marlins at the current moment. I haven't had a lot of time to look into their remaining schedule, but I mean, Diamondbacks, like I said, play five of those wild card teams. They could fall out really quickly if they start losing those series. And same with the like, the upcoming match with the Cubs is huge. Like, there's gonna be a lot of movement here in this next series for Cubs and Diamondbacks. What are you looking at here, hoping for? Are you hoping that the Cubs yeah, lose the series? Point. Like, what 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 do we what do we want to have happen here? Right. Because that's what I would want to have happen. I want the Diamondbacks to win two out of one or sweep the Cubs because we hold the tiebreaker Thanks, over them. Yeah. So you would rather the Cubs start falling out of the race entirely. I don't know. I, that's that's what no, I'm you're starting right. to look I at mean, there's here. Two, there's two trains of thought to what you're saying, Casey. One of them is, is that you hope one of the teams sweeps the other team and the Reds obviously win games. The, if the Reds win, okay, it's simple as this, in New York, they are gaining ground. If they lose in New York, they are losing ground. It is There is no in-between here. So, say whatever you want, but the Mets series, and Nick has brought this up, Kirby, on, on Shatterbox Reds multiple times, the Mets series is the most psychological series that is left for the Cincinnati Reds because it is what it is. You win in New York, you gain ground on the Cubs or the, or the Diamondbacks. If you lose, you're losing ground. If you want to sit here and tell me that you want to root for the one team over the other team, that's fine. I really just look at it from the standpoint of what the Reds are going to do. What do the Reds do? Um, if one team were to sweep the other team, I think that I would prefer that. Um, but here's the thing. If the Diamondbacks were to sweep the Cubs and the Reds were to take two or three from the Mets, which is what we want. I don't know if we should be greedy and say they need to sweep the Mets. That seems a little a little over overkill in regards to what we asked for. Of course, we take it. But the issue with that would be you'd still have a huge log jam. Yes, you'd have the opportunity to take kind of two spots. There would be five teams for two spots instead of four teams for one spot. But I come to the I come to the conclusion of the thought process where again, I'm not just saying this cuz Reed's in the room. I think I would prefer just the Diamondbacks to fall out of it. Get the Diamondbacks out of here, okay? And leave me with the Giants who are not very good at baseball right now and leave me with the Marlins who I don't believe in. And you know what if they prove me wrong, they prove me wrong. But I, and I know the Cubs just lost a series to the Rockies, and everyone's going to say what I'm about to say is ridiculous and blah, blah, blah. But, but the Cubs, in my opinion, are a better baseball team than the Diamondbacks. And usually, over the course of the next two weeks, the better baseball team is going to win more games anyways. I just don't want something, something weird to happen, some anomaly to happen, because it seems like something's going to happen between these four teams. Between these four teams, I can promise you, Someone's going to get a little hot. Someone's going to win six of eight, seven of ten. And that's going to be the difference. That's going to be the difference. Could it be the Cincinnati Reds? Of course it could be. But to sit around and hope that one team falls or this team falls, there's too many teams in the race to root for the demise of others. That's how I view it. I'm not just saying that because it's like a what's, you know, focus on what you can control type statement. 
I think as a fan, you do what you want. It's fun. Scoreboard watching is fun. Should, should Reds players be overly concerned about the, what the score of the Giants game is? Probably not. They should worry about winning their own game because if, if they win their game, they take care of their own business. And then, you know what? We can all agree that if the Reds were to win out, they're probably going to be the number one wild card seed. So you should stop worrying about what other teams do. Yes, I get that. But that's not fun. That's not what fans do. I would prefer the Cubs were to sweep the Diamondbacks. Hell yeah. Personally. Hmm. Is that going to happen? Probably not because the Cubs suck. Can just let me have that one? Had <laughs> <laughs> to take it away, Trace? I was on board. What was that? That hurt. Hurt my feelings. Listen, the, you guys are right. The Cubs are – I'm not panicking. I'm not panicking about the Cubs, but it's not good. They, they've lost uh, two straight series. They've lost four total series in the second half of the year. But, yeah, I, I'm with you, Trace, about two things. The Reds, just focus on winning games. I mean, if you win games, what everyone else does doesn't matter, right? Control – you said you didn't want to go there, but I'll go there. Yeah. Control what you can control. That's literally all you can do. And then secondly – you should be hoping for the teams that you are directly on par with to drop off. And I know it's, it's, it's bad to root for division rivals like the Cubs, but yeah, if, if, if the Cubs sweep the, the Diamondbacks, then it makes, makes life a whole lot easier. It takes one team, not essentially out of the race, but certainly hurts their chances. Certainly does that. Yeah, I'm on the side of, <laughs> I, I'm going to address a couple points here. Number one, for Casey's point, the Reds right now control their own destiny. They have the final wild card spot. They have the tiebreakers they need. Theoretically, you win, you win out, you're in automatically. So you win, you take care of your own business. I'm not worried about the Marlins. I'm not worried about the Giants. I'm not worried about the Cubs. If you want to be worried about them, I agree with Trace, uh, except I'm going to flip it. I want the Diamondbacks to sweep the Cubs, and not because Reed's in this room, just because I think the Diamondbacks are significantly worse than the Cubs. So I want the Diamondbacks to have a better chance at the postseason opposed to the Cubs. That's just, that's just I think it's smart play. Uh, as a part from what Trey said earlier, he asked, would the Reds get credit? I think the Reds would get credit. I think the Reds, the, the media coverage for the Reds this season has been pretty noticeable. When Ellie De La Cruz came up, I, I thought that the Reds have been respected on, on national media, probably more than, really more than ever in my life, if I'm going to be honest. When Ellie De La Cruz came up, it sparked, it sparked a fire in the city, sparked a fire uh, across the national landscape that the Reds were a, a relevant baseball franchise. I have not seen that yet in my life, and that was fun. So, yeah, I think that they'll get respect. And to Trace's other point earlier about, um, you know, the front office ownership, I am still not a Castellini guy. I'll never be a Castellini guy no matter what they do. If they win me a World Series, I'll take it all back. But as of right now, they have, they have continued to fail and fail again. Uh, the, 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 the caveat to that is they have hired Nick Kroll. Nick Kroll has come in, and I've said bad things about Nick Kroll. I didn't believe in Nick Kroll. I've been proven wrong about Nick Kroll. So if you're going to be, if you're going to be negative about the, the ownership, and you have every right to be, you have every single right to be mad at Bob and Phil Castellini from the things they've said, from the failures in the baseball field. Everything the Castellinis have done uh, from a baseball perspective has been pretty bad, I'd say. When you have zero playoff series victories in your, in your tenure as ownership, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to ha stand on a leg, right? You, you have nothing to stand on. But Nick Kroll, hiring Nick Kroll, getting out of the way for Nick Kroll is helping this franchise substantially. So if you're going to continue to be negative about the Castellinis, feel free. I'm still going to be, I'm still going to be negative about the Castellinis. But have a little bit of respect when it comes to Nick Kroll. They're doing something right. You're not tweeting on x.com right now if the Castellinis aren't doing anything right. 
So the Nick Crawl, hiring Nick Crawl, being having Nick Crawl be your your baseball guy, is 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 saving the Reds at this very moment. So live a little, enjoy it, enjoy it while you can, because th- this isn't going to come along every <laughs> every year. When you're a small franchise, when you're a small market team, you know this. You've been a Reds fan for a long time. You're not going to get these chances every single year. This is a this is an unprecedented chance. A 64 projected win team is on the on the precipice of making the postseason for i mean i this is this is unprecedented enjoy it don't don't be mad at the castellinis because the reds have a chance at the playoffs it doesn't make sense if the reds if the reds miss the playoffs if they lose out and you still want to hate david bell and the castellinis fine you go ahead and be negative i'm the most negative fan in the world reed will attest to this i think the red season is dead every loss they have i still think the bullpen's bad the bullpen has thrown nine pitchers the past 15 games and they, and they shut everybody out. Sam Mole, I, b- I believe I called him a dumpster pitcher. He is a one ERA in his tenure as a Red. So have some fun. Enjoy this. You're never going to see this again. Not, not this way. You're never going to see a team like this that was projected to be dead come in and make the postseason like they are. And they still have a chance. I mean, I, you're going to laugh, but if the Reds were to get hot, like Casey predicted, the profit over there, if, if he's right and they go on a nine-game winning streak right now, there is not a chance that the Reds take the, the third wildcard spot. There's a chance they get all the way to the first wildcard spot. So right now, the Reds control their own destiny. I'm not concerned about the Giants, anybody else. Forget them. We're worried about our own games. we got to sweep the Tigers today. you got to sweep them. you got to sweep the Mets. you gotta take the, you got to take a sweep from the Pirates. The Pirates' four games swept us, I think, their last time uh, early, way early in May. In May. April. 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 Yeah. So take care of business. Take care of business and we'll be fine, everybody. Enjoy the ride. We're still in it. 15 games. 15 games for the rest of our lives. There are 15 games for the rest of our lives. The Reds are going to the playoffs. The season is back on. It feels like 1990. Nick Crawl is my daddy. And this is how we're going to do it. Reds, postseason. So here's the thing with what with, with, with the whole Nick Crawl thing. I'm not even suggesting for a second that you should blindly say, you know what, this guy's great. And in fact, you could say the jury's still out on Nick Crawl. I think that's more than fair to say. The issue that I have more or less is just like always wanting to find something that someone's not doing appropriate and or well. It seems like a losing battle, personally. Seems like all you're ever going to do in life is just be upset until... Until it's legitimately just right in front of your face. You know, the only thing that you think, at least at least when I watch a, a team that I love, the only thing that I really hope for is that there's a plan in place and there's smart people trying to execute that plan. I'm not trying to, when I say, by the way, when I say ownership in the front office, I'm strictly talking about roster management in the in the in the in the plan that is in place to try to make the team better i'm not talking about what kind of people they are i'm not talking about the fact that you should like what phil is or who phil is phil if we're being completely honest doesn't seem like a guy that you'd want to hang out with a whole lot right now i don't know him so i want to put my hand up and say that i don't like talking and saying bad things about people that i genuinely don't know but to sit here and think that when i say that you need to give ownership in front office some credit I'm talking about the fact that they went out and they spent some money on Hunter Renfro. Like it or not, they did that. They went out and got Harrison Bader. They didn't need to do those two things. Now, you can make the argument that they didn't need them because they haven't produced enough to help this team, but they have helped this team. Harrison Bader, like it or not, has stole some backs, and he's been relatively important defensively. 
I know you're going to make fun of the fact of what his splits are, and you're going to make fun of the of, of, of the what what he's done at the plate as a red. But in general terms, they did not need to go spend that money. They didn't have to, but they did. So I'd like to be a person that's just going to give a little bit of credit when when credit is due. Because if you're never going to give someone credit, then what's their incentive? Not that they need one, and I know this is a laughable statement when I'm getting ready to make. But if you're never going to give anyone any kind of credit, then what's their incentive to continue to try to do something for anyone? And yeah, you could say, well, the Castellinis are, are going to do what they want no matter what the people think. You might be right. I'm not defending that. I'm not trying to argue that. But as a baseline idea from the human psychological brain, it makes no sense in life to never give anyone credit no matter what, even if you despise them. Because if you despise them for not wanting to do things and they finally do something and you don't give them credit, then what's the point? I think the Reds are going to try to win. They're trying to win. Correct. I know that sucks. I know they've had a bad plan before. I know they've went out and signed Fat Moustakis to a horrible contract. I know that you're upset that they let Nick Castellanos walk out the door. I understand all of that. I get it. You, wanna, you, you are pissed off at the front office more likely than not because the Reds haven't won meaningful playoff games and or meaningful games in your life. And you know what? So am I. But I can also differentiate the two things. I can see that Nick Kroll has a plan in place and it's working. I'm going to give him credit for that. It's the folks that want to scream and yell about David Bell every night as well that just drives me wild. And we're not getting anywhere here, so I'm going to move on. But you get my point, hopefully. And I would just say, if you're in that camp, just come on the other side. It's much more enjoyable. We got a super chat from what? Putrid talent. Putrid talent. I can't read that far. I feel like Tom at times when I'm up here because I see this and I'm like, I, Tom's always, this is the Tom move. You ever see him on a super chat? Tom's moves this one. <laughs> we'll get you some readers. I need to look down here. All right, $2 big time super chat. Thank you for Putrid talent. Uh, he says, opinions on lineup from last night. Um, Man, now you're making me think, Putrid. Putrid. I think is the term I'm looking for. Um, I don't know. Listen, David Bell is a platoon splits guy. He just has been. You could say it hasn't worked or has worked. I think I think objectively it's worked to a certain extent. Nick Senzel, if you took Nick Senzel and you took uh, Jake Fraley and you put them as one player, that's like an... Maybe I'm acclimated. I don't know. I haven't looked this up, so don't kill me. Is that an all-star? Yeah, it's an all-star. Because if you use if you, if you use Senzel's lefty or uh, lefty splits and, and Fraley's righty splits, he's absolutely an all-star. Yeah. I've got today's lineup if you want to. Yeah, let's yeah, see it. I've got a question for Reds fans after this. Okay, we got it. Uh, for those that are listening in podcast form, the starting lineup for today on Thursday, September 14th. Leading off, DHing Jake Fraley in right field. People forget he has a broken toe, and he's still playing. That's true. Don't forget about that. In right field, batting second, Nick Martini. Batting third, playing third base, Spencer Steer. In center field, batting fourth, TJ Friedel. Playing second base, batting fifth, Jonathan India. Batting sixth, playing first base, Joey Votto. Catching, batting seventh, Tyler Stevenson. And your shortstop, batting eighth, 
Batting eighth. Batting eighth. Ellie De La Cruz. And in left field, rounding out the lineup, Will Benson. What about that? Let's talk about that for a half a second here. Ellie De La Cruz just keeps dropping in this lineup. And you know what? I think that's a good thing. I think that's a great thing. I think it takes pressure off of him. Hopefully it allows him to relax. And he can remember that he's, he's, he's not expected to carry the world on his shoulders. Because I think this kid came up and he just let, he let the naiveness of how hard baseball was at the beginning just to, just to let him play to his full capabilities. And I know I got a question for you guys, and maybe the chat will answer this too. This will be the chat poll question of the day. Chat poll question of the day is this. Do you believe that the, that the struggles of rookies is because of the pitchers making adjustments or just the fact of the matter is that the player themselves mentally start to struggle a little bit because baseball is really hard? Or I, neither. I, I don't think it's necessarily a, a product of pitchers making adjustments. I think the pitchers are just better. And it's over the it's the first time that they've played 162 games, had 500, 600 at-bats against the top of the top pitching in, in the league, in the world. So that's why it is. It's just that the talent is just better, and they haven't seen that for that sustained long period of time. So, yeah, you're going to have a slump here and there. And I think it it is actually just a concoction of all those things, right? You, you do sometimes get a book or you, you see tendencies on, on where they can hit it, where their cold zones are, and you start attacking that. Yeah, sometimes it's just that the talent is better at the MLB level. And then also there's just times where, you know, it, it's weighing on them, right? They're playing Major League Baseball, something that they've wanted to do their entire life, and now they're doing it for an entire season. And baseball is a really tough game that you go through strides and cold periods and hot spells and all these things. And it's just prolonged that over the past 150 years that they've been playing Major League Baseball, rookies are going to slump at some point. It's just just part of it. Yeah, I think it's more of a mental thing. I think when, when you have all that pressure, you, you dream as a kid of getting to the majors, and you get there, and you're playing every night, and it's like, okay, I have to perform. There's 40,000 people watching me. My parents are counting on me. I've worked my whole life for this. And you go through a bad game, and you're like, damn, all right, got to try to be better. You go through three bad games, and you're like, damn, okay, this is a problem. If you have a week of bad games, it's going to start killing you. It's going to start eating at you. You're going to start doing things that you normally haven't done before because you're just trying to get back on track. You're trying to prove it to yourself. You're trying to prove it to the fans. You're trying to prove it to your family, everybody. You're, trying to, you're just trying to prove yourself. And I think that's where Ellie De La Cruz is right now. He's been trying to prove himself that he's a superstar. But to Trace's point, you don't need to do that because we know you are. So I, I, I think it's mostly mental. I think there is an aspect where pitchers now know Ellie's swinging at trash down in the dirt. So they're, they're going to throw more pitches down in the dirt, and he's going to swing at them. I think there is absolutely an element to that. But I think it's mostly mental. I think, it's, I think these guys put so much pressure on themselves. They work their whole lives for this moment. And if that moment slips away, they know what, what are they? What, 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 is, what have they worked their whole life for? So I think it's just a lot of mental pressure. I think that's the case. I, I know that there's a little small piece of it that is a, that the pitchers make adjustments, but nothing like grinds my gears more than when I'm at a game and, and, and I hear someone say like, oh, they figured out Ellie. They know how to pitch to him now. You know, what do you mean they know how to pitch to him? What the hell does that mean? Just because he's, he's swinging at bad pitches, they know how to pitch to him? Like, yeah, I guess you could say that he chases a lot and maybe you like, to your point, Elliot, you're not going to throw as many pitches that, that 
think are hittable. If the guy's going to get himself out, you're going to allow him to get himself out before you get him out. I get all that. But the idea that I think that you know exactly how to pitch Ellie De La Cruz to get him out is, is, is preposterous. I think it's preposterous. It brings me to another point. Sometimes I think the statistics and the analytics and these, and just the, 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 the nature of the game can become so taxing mentally that you forget it's just a game and you go play. And I, I, I know for a fact that happens to some people, right? Some people, they get, they get paralyzed mentally when they get information overload. Some of the best baseball players, and I know this is going to sound like a little, uh, a little demeaning, I know, so I won't bring up the teammates I'm talking about, but some of the best baseball players that I've ever played with were literally the dumbest individuals I've ever met. Just stupid. And you know why I think they were good at baseball? Because they just didn't have to mentally think when they're out on the field. They just, they just reacted. They just played the game the way that you would if you were five years old. You get older, you start to think through things, you start to analyze things, you start to think about what you're supposed to do, you, you understand the pressures that come with, with, with the spot that you're in, but if you're just happy-go-lucky and you're dumb as can be, you just play the game. And that's what I hope some of these Reds rookies will continue to do when they don't find themselves in a mental battle of what they're supposed to be or what the Reds are supposed to think they're supposed to be, because I think that's what happened to Tyler Stevenson for about 80% of this season. I think everybody in, in, in the Reds front office and the Reds staff or whatever you want to call it, the coaching staff, they want Tyler Stevenson to hit with power. And they openly probably suggested that they want him to try to pull the baseball more. They want him to hit for power. And that's just not what naturally Tyler Stevenson has done to get to the big leagues. It's not who he is, and it's not what he's going to ever be. So hopefully... We can get these rookies, and I say we can as if they haven't performed already, but we can get these rookies to a spot where they realize they don't have to worry about what happens. Just play free, go have fun, and see where it happens because that's what I feel like is going on with Connor Phillips. Do I think Connor Phillips is going to get any more starts this year? If the Reds were not desperate and didn't need Connor Phillips, he would not be in the big leagues. And you can see why he wouldn't be in the big leagues because I just don't think mentally he's mature enough yet to really be consistent at the big league level. Chris Walsh brought up an excellent point during that game yesterday. I don't know if you watched it or if you heard it, but he mentioned that sometimes these guys come up here and they idolize these, these, these big league hitters far too much. Their stuff is more than good enough to get outs. They just don't throw the ball over the plate. Connor Phillips walks four guys in four innings. It's just not, it's not reasonable to be successful in the big leagues walking guys at a rate that much. And in fact, the reason the Reds won yesterday is you, you can sit here and tell me it's because their offense played well, but I'll tell you what it is right now. The Reds caught a little bit of a break, and Rodriguez had maybe the poorest outing he's had all year long. They caught a break. He walked the most guys he's walked all year long. Yesterday's start, Rodriguez. Most walks he's had all year. That's the nuts and bolts of pitching. Throw the ball over the plate. I know I'm not, I, I know I'm not breaking any earth-shattering news here. But Connor Phillips throws the ball over the plate. He's going to be damn fine. All right. Trace, I got a question for you before we move on about Tyler Stevenson. Yeah. And it's, has there ever been a player that has shown that uh, opinions are set in stone pretty much early in the year? Because Tyler Stevenson has been great over the past month. Yes. If he had this month in April or in May, we would not be like the, the, the whole, like, 
people's opinion of Tyler Stevenson is so low. And I know he's played great this past month, so people are getting a little higher on him. But if he had this back in April or May, we'd still be talking about Tyler Stevenson like he's a major, major part of the team going forward. And I just don't feel like that's that's the case right now. So do you think he's like a, a perfect example of yeah. opinions are set in stone early in the season? Well, I think uh, the, the reason that they always say, uh, what's the saying about first impressions, right? Um, get one of them. You only get one first impression, and people obviously hold on to that for quite some time. I think that's very much what happened to Ellie. Sure. I think I think There's... if I think if Ellie De La Cruz, and again, I think Ellie De La Cruz can be a superstar. He is going to be a roller coaster player. That's that's just the nature of who he is. I've seen, and I don't want to say I've seen the the likes of Ellie De La Cruz, but for the short interim, and I pray to God. That he gets more consistent. I pray to God that he turns into the superstar like the like the Acunas of the world. That is very doable and possible with the talent that that he has. But there is a stark difference, and some of it is age. Might I remind you? And I put out a tweet earlier this year with Ellie De La Cruz before I sit here and say some some I don't even want to call them negative things about Ellie. But I want to remind every, everybody about Ellie here. Ellie is 21 years old, and to put that in perspective. Spencer Steer was playing at Oregon in the Pac-12, and Matt McClain was playing at UCLA in the Pac-12 when they were 21 years old. It's reasonable to think that Ellie De La Cruz in three or four years is going to be a superstar, and you should still believe that, and there's no reason to let the first month and a half or two months of his big league career fool you or make you think that he's, I'm not even going to say it, but an Aquino or someone like that. That's, that's, it's a ridiculous thing to think. However, if Ellie did not have the start that he had, can we be honest for a second? Mm-hmm. This town would not be big fans of Ellie De La Cruz. They wouldn't be. Now, now, if you take the two weeks that he had before, the struggles he's had recently, then I think that, that, that he would have saved face, if you want to call it that. So I think in really, what, to answer your point, it all eventually gets looked at as a holistic view. But there's no doubt that there would be a lot of, there already are heli haters. There would be a lot of Ellie haters if he started his career out the way that has been going lately. But here's the thing I need to remind everyone about Ellie. Outside of just his numbers at the plate, he helps this team so many other ways. So many other ways. And I'm hopeful that his defense get, becomes a little more consistent because the ball the other night, last night specifically, it would have been nice if he made that play. He didn't. It would have been nice if he did. But again, if it was anyone other than Ellie De La Cruz trying to make that play, I don't know if it gets made. Matt McClain maybe makes that play. I love Matt McClain. I think he's an unbelievably he's going to be an unbelievably consistent baseball player. Hopefully injuries aren't aren't a part of uh, of the future for for Matt McClain. But if he stays healthy, Matt McClain's going to be an incredible baseball player. But I could see Elliot Alec Cruz being better than him. But to your point, I don't think many people would believe that if he started his career off the way it's been going for the last month. And Tyler Stevenson, to your point, has been great. He has been great. It's it's he's been unbelievable. It's almost like they flip flopped. So I, I, yeah. I forgot about Ellie, and it's the exact same question, just the opposite. We got a couple of super chats in, in here from uh, Putrid Talent. Um, you know, we're just talking about Ellie. Putrid Talent, $5 super chat says Ellie swings low because he gets more likes, stri- more low strikes called than anyone. Do you think that's true? Do you think he oh, has man, to I, grow to like that? I, I think Ellie does get the unfortunate 
he doesn't get the benefit of the doubt more times than not when it comes to strikes in for some reason. He just, I think, I think Nick Kirby brought up a point the other night that I thought was actually funny. It's like pitcher, uh, hitter framing. I think Joey Votto's elite at hitter framing because he just acts quirky in the box. And like, if there's a pitch yeah. that's, if there's a pitch that low, Joey Votto will dive down at it really, really hard to try to emphasize the fact that he thinks it's low. Or if it's inside, Joey Votto, you know, he's, He's jumping out of the way like it's almost going to hit him when it's basically a strike. Ellie doesn't really do that, which I think causes him some... He's really tall. He's really tall, which puts off the appearance that the strike zone is bigger upstairs. But for whatever reason, psychologically, if you hit the spot that a normal strike would be on Matt McClain uh, on the lower portion of the zone, I think the umpire, is, it's this their... their, their instinct to call it a strike so i do think he gets the the raw i don't think he swings at pitches low because of strikes no i just think he's a free swinging sob and that's part of it yeah he's not swinging at dirt balls because he's getting a low strike he's swinging at him because he wants to make contact with the baseball uh to answer your question nobody's had a better first impression maybe ever than jonathan india which is why i still go to war for him he won rookie of the year in his very first year as a red i mean i i, I the guy i will fight for him i'll die for jonathan india but that's a good example. I mean, it's just a good example yeah. how Jonathan Diaz has certainly gotten worse over the course of his career. But the first the first year was pretty awesome, so that's how I'm gonna that's how I'm gonna judge my guy. Sure, sure, absolutely. I don't know if Jonathan India's gotten worse. To be fair, like I I know we beat you down pretty hard about Jonathan India a while ago, and, and yeah, you and, said and, Jose Barrera was and, better. I said Jose Barrera over the last month of their major league career has been better. I don't know why you keep saying that I said Jose Barrera is a better player than Jonathan India. I did not say that. You're you're leaving out context I'd clues. Have to, I'd have to it find seems very, very important for the context to be delivered. Uh, channel memberships coming soon. Putrid uh, putrid. I don't know why I'm struggling with that. Um maybe. It's a strange word. Maybe. Here's the thing. Can we can we uh, can we level with the chat here for just a moment? We're a small business. Um Part of what keeps me up at night, to be honest with you, is to go out and try to find sponsorships to, to, to support the show, to make it worth doing this every single day. And obviously we love doing it, but at some point you got to make sure you can keep the lights on, certainly. And and we're, we're very thankful to, to our friends at UDF and, and Encore and Pawnee and, and Betfred and all the folks that make this possible. Uh, but there's this weird dynamic that I have in my mind between getting support from people that consume our product and making it feel like that's the that's the only way to support the show because I, I, I hopefully you understand where I'm going with this. It's just a uh, channel memberships is fine, but then YouTube takes out a good portion of it. So at some point we have something on our website called Chatterbox Plus. You can go to watch Chatterbox uh, or watchcbox.com, excuse me, and we have our own OTT platform that has paywalls on it. That 100% comes to us. YouTube takes out a pretty hefty slice about uh, with memberships and things of that nature. So it's just, it's hard to try to rally the troops to do that. Now I know it's easy. I know it's very, very convenient for people to do memberships on, uh, on YouTube. Doesn't mean we're not going to do it. It's just something I'm trying to figure out what that looks like and whether we should do it or not. Hopefully that gives you a good answer as to what, what the, uh, the membership is. It just, when you can get a hundred percent on your own website and you can do everything on your own website, or do you want to go through YouTube and give a, a pretty hefty fee to them? Makes it tough. It's a tough, it's a tough dynamic we're in, but for the night, for the time being, just keep consuming the content and join like the stream. How about that? Like the stream and subscribe to the channel. Tell your friends about it. That's the best thing that you can do for us right now. And yes, we do 
we do we do love and appreciate your super chats. Don't get that twisted by any stretch of the imagination. Um, back to Jonathan India really quickly. I think the reason I'm going to psychologically break down the Jonathan India thing. You have Jonathan India supporters who like Jonathan India for what he's done for this Reds franchise, right? He's a rookie of the year. He's played good baseball. He cares. He wants to be a leader. He's what you want in a teammate. He, he, he is a, a face in a player that you would like playing for your franchise. Then you have the other side of the crowd that sees what's coming down the pike, right? And you realize that whether it's analytically, whether it's with your eyes, you just know inevitably to make the team better holistically that Jonathan India is not probably best suited to play second base. And then Jonathan India comes out and says that he wants to be a second baseman, and rightfully so. Why would he want to? Why would he want to just venture to say, "Oh yeah, you just bring whoever you want up, and I'm sure they're going to be better than me." Type thing. Of course, Jonathan India is not going to say that, and he has every right. Jonathan India has every right to say that he's a second baseman because you know why? I think he is a second baseman. He's just not the best second baseman for the Cincinnati Reds. So you have one side of the aisle that's screaming and yelling like, "Oh, he's not a good enough second baseman. Look at his defensive metrics. Look at this. Look at that." And that, that crowd is accurate. But the other side of the aisle, too, is a, is, is a, is a loyal crowd that, that appreciates what Jonathan India is, this franchise, and they want to see Jonathan India as a Cincinnati Red. So then what do they do? They start to try to fight the opposite side the same way the politics seems to have gone down, which is they want to tear down the prospect game and say that these prospects aren't going to be any good or they're not going to be good enough or yada, 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 yada. And then Matt McClain comes up and everybody's like, oh, shit. Maybe he is good. I don't know. But then, you know what? There's still room on this team for Jonathan Indy, okay? Like, if they don't trade Jonathan Indy this offseason, that's not the end of the world. Do, they, do, I, do I think that, they, that, that we want to continue to go down a path in this franchise of not getting any return for anybody ever because we want to hold on to them just because they're either a fan favorite and or they might be able to help you somewhere else? No. I think we need to maximize our value, which unfortunately means you trade people. And you know what? These same guys that we're pandering to right now and Matt McClain and Ellie De La Cruz and, and Noel V. Marte, am I naive to sit here and think for a half a second that those three guys are going to be Cincinnati Reds for the rest of their career? I'm not. And they're probably going to have to trade them too. Because at the end of the day, I'm a Cincinnati Reds fan and so are you. The reason that you love players is because those players in your mind give you, get, they, 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 they perceive and give you this notion, this idea that they're going to help your team win, and that's what you ultimately want. If Jonathan India is willing to move and he's willing to accept a role that is DH left field, and he works all offseason to be a left fielder. I want Jonathan India on this baseball team next year. He's a good player. He's a good clubhouse guy. People like Jonathan India. You should want Jonathan India to be on this team. The, the problem in lies is if Jonathan India doesn't want to move, which is, which is his God-given right. He's allowed to say he doesn't want to move. And we shouldn't hate him for it. But if that's the answer that we're going to get, then ultimately, unfortunately... You have to make a hard decision if you're the Reds franchise.
Can I ask you this? Yes. If you if you look if you look at what's happened this season, the Reds have been dealing with injuries, coronavirus, Ellie throwing baseballs at people's faces. It's been a crazy season in terms of health. Uh, they've used the most pitchers this season uh, out of anybody in Major League Baseball. Different pitchers, that is. The the depth of a team is so important, and you and you're especially seeing it right now. No Matt McClain. We've been missing guys due to all these injuries. Jake Fraley broken toe. He's still fighting. T.J. Antone last night, 15 day IL because uh, of an elbow issue, which I don't know if that's a third Tommy John. I hope that's not the case. I don't even know if you can do a third Tommy John, if I'm going to be honest with you. But the depth of a team is so important. A guy like Jonathan India, and I'm not saying you should pay $7.5 million, $8 million for a guy who's going to ride the bench, but if you're looking at uh, backups for these infielders, you're looking at a guy who can, who can add depth when someone goes down, there's not a better guy I would want than Jonathan India right now. I think he's going to be affordable. I think he's a guy that's grown up in the system. I think Reds fans love him. And he's not Paul Yanish, right? He's not Paul Yanish. He's not Miguel Rojas. He's not. He's going to come in here. He knows what his role is. He knows his 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 teammates. He knows that he knows the clubhouse. He knows everything. I would want Jonathan Indy to stick around, even if it's at a, a limited role. If he's if he's a backup, if he's if he's just used for depth, I want Jonathan India here. Fair enough, and I do too. I do too. I I, I genuinely mean that. I, I I'm to the point now where I'm all about utilizing Jonathan India if it makes sense. It just can't be at second base. And I'm not. We're not even going to do this today because ultimately it always turns into a negative, a negative segment on someone that I actually do like. I like Jonathan India. I hope Jonathan India is a Cincinnati Red next year because I think this team can win. I think they can win, man. Maybe I'm being naive. Maybe it's the magic. Maybe it's the perception. Maybe it's just me being completely unbiased uh, as could possibly be. But Jonathan India makes this team better. Now, of course, if he doesn't want to move, and that's not a part of his plan, then at some point you got to make hard decisions, and we all know what that is. We all know what that is. All right, yesterday we introduced, um, we introduced some new segments, didn't we? We introduced some new segments. And I told you yesterday, we needed to move the ad reads. We needed to shift some things around. And by God, I said at 11 o'clock, we were going to do the locals. So without farther ado, I turn it over to the locals at 11. Well, hey, 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 everybody. It's the weather report. This is your local weather. This is Chatterbox 420 News. I'm Elliot Michaels. Thanks, Chip. Chip, by the way, uh, you pronounce when you say it's 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 further ado, not farther ado. You say farther a lot, but I'm not. Gonna, I'm not. That's neither here nor there. Today, again, if you're alive, if you're still breathing, perhaps if you have a yard or a house, a car, maybe you have a job, you've stepped outside and you've seen how hot or cold it is. It was a it was a chilly morning. It was a brisk morning, but you know what? We're fighting through it. I had a sweater on this morning. I came into work. I was very excited about it. It was it was just good. it feels good outside. Feels good. Again, it's going to be about 73 today, 72, 75 is the high, 52 is the low, and you're just going to go through it, right? The weather is going to variate throughout the day. Is it going to rain? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I mean, that's, and that's the best part about the weather is that you just don't know. You know, us meteorologists, we have this thing. We get the, we get the radar and we, we act like we know these things. Is there a hurricane coming? Oh, I don't know, right? And this is no knock on people with, who deal with hurricanes. Shout out to them. But, you know, it's, we just don't know what's going to happen on a day-to-day -day basis. But today, high is 75, low of 52. Those two numbers could fluctuate. I mean, we just make that number up, if I'm going to be honest. It's just a, 
It's just a guessing game. But that's about what you have. I've been dealing myself with a, with a seasonal allergy for about three months. So I don't know if that has something to do with the weather. Maybe if there's a radar for like, I'm going to be coughing for three months. I'd like to see that. Maybe the meteorology department for Chatterbox 420 News could maybe get on that. Uh, but I'm, I'm fighting through it. Today's weather again, pleasant. If you stepped outside, you'd know. If you don't know, no need to watch the news tonight. You just got this baby. You just got this baby. You check the phone. You check the weather. And that's all you need to do. 75, 72, who cares? It's going to feel good. Back to you, Chip. I think, by the way, I think we're going to start doing ad reads, too. So I think this is going to be a, it's going to be a, it's a weather and about five minutes commercials, just like the real weather. So that's, that, that's what you have to look forward to. So here we go. Casey, do we have the ad reads? Uh, we, we do have the ad reads. Um, there, there's a bit of a technical issue there. Oh, I have to, I have to technical <laughs> issue. Classic. I have this to is classic local I have, news. I have to switch a camera. I can't just. Okay, go ahead. Do you want me to step out of the frame? Yep. There you go. There step you go. Back from that ledge, my friend. So we, we've just realized in real Jumping. time that, that, uh, the plan from going from, uh, Elliot's, uh, weather, uh, local at the 11s to Casey's ad reads just isn't going to work out the way that he probably thought because why? There's only one camera that I have to go over there for both. But without further ado, I bought him just enough time to do the ad reads. So <laughs> here we go. Local at the 11. What is it? Further ado. And I say, farther. and I say, you say farther. Without further ado. No. no. <laughs> you said, yeah, it's, it's further. further. You say, why are you saying farther? Without further ado. Why is that so we've, difficult? We've, we've let it happen for like three days now. What is it? It's further ado. Further. Or further. further ado. Further ado. Further. 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 What are you doing? Further. <laughs> further ado. There, there it go. is. All right. That's further it. Further ado. That's it. Further ado. This is the local at 11 ad reads. Casey McAllister, take it away. Well, we haven't gotten into the Bengals, but we will here very shortly with James Rapine and that segment is brought to you by Encore Technologies. Encore Technologies provides IT solutions for a data-centered world with a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data center, supporting both centralized and work-from-home computing modules to improve efficiency and productivity. productivity. That's a little bit better. Visit Encore.tech. The path to innovation begins here. And let me tell you about this delicious tasting water. I actually bought some this morning at my local gas station. Nice. Love that. This new premium alkaline water, Pawnee water, is delicious. And let me tell you, it is made with natural limestone filtration, unlike the artificial processing that many other waters use. That stuff is the best. Let me tell you. It only has water in it. There's no additives. There's no crap in it for you. It is going to hydrate you the best out of any of those waters because it only has water in it. And, you know, if you want to buy some of this, check out your local gas stations, check out your local stores, but also check out their website at pawneywater.com. That's P-A-H-H-N-I water.com where you can buy this great tasting water. Case. Get your coffee at UDF, bet on Betfred. Get your technology solutions from Encore. Drink Pawnee Water. Casey, what's what's your favorite part of Pawnee Water? Like, what 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 is it for you? What what it does for me, or what what it is for me? Because for me, it's natural limestone filtration. I think for me, it's the pH. Mm. pH above eight. 
That's pretty good. That's pretty good. That's really good. Some are saying that's elite. It's not seven. It's not nine. It's some, are, some are saying that's elite. You know what? Uh, you know what? You know what? Uh, for some reason, I don't know if it's OCD, which I don't really have a strong OCD, thankfully. Um, but one thing that is always that's laugh out loud funny to me is Reed. Every time we pan over to you, your your little light line back there, it's always it's always just the the most the most U-ish shape there is. I don't know. He just fixed it. So if you've seen that all show, I don't know if you've seen it or not, but. Shout out to Reed for fixing that in real time. Good for you. All right. James Rapine's right around the corner. Now's the time in the chat. If you haven't already, you could put a question in there. We will try to get it answered. But what should we discuss? What's the things of the topic of conversation in the Bengals fandom that is at the top priority and top of mind? Do we really think that Joe Burrow is still hurt? Like, is that a real thought process that's going on, you think? He was on the injury report yesterday. Full participation, but he was on the injury report. And they put calf on the injury. So, yep, same injury. Casey, I have a poll question for the for the chat, if you could throw this up here while, while the interview is going on. We haven't decided who's going to do the chat power rankings tomorrow yet. Um, so yeah, just ask the chat who they would like to do the chat power rankings, whether it's Elliot, me, Trace, or, or Casey. Elliot did it last week, so. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I think at this point, how much panic would there be in Bengals fandom if there's another loss? And is it really the end of the world? It's, it's, um... You know, back when, uh, of course, my only when I when I when I think about the NFL, very very much of many of my thoughts and uh, opinions certainly stem from the the Packers because that's what I've watched pretty much my entire life. There's something about when when the Packers had Aaron Rodgers and even when he told everybody to relax and spelled it out for everybody R E L A X. And there's something to that though that I always did believe. Are the Bengals fans in that position yet, or are they still in a position where they're just not, they've not seen Joe Burrow long enough that they just don't worry at all? Now, I get it. I've seen plenty of the X.com, but the X.com can trick you a little bit in regards to what the real feel of a fan base is. Do you think that the, that the Bengals fandom as a whole is, is kind of like, I don't want to say happy-go-lucky, but in a way, no big deal. We have Joe Burrow. We've seen what they've done before. I'm not all that worried about it. It was Cleveland. For whatever dumb reason, they have our number. Or do you think that there's actually real concern? For, if you're asking me if they, if they lose this week how worried I am, they can lose this game. They can lose this game, and I will not freak out. If they look as bad as they looked in Cleveland last Sunday, I will absolutely not only be in the panic room, I will hit that button so damn hard it might break. They just, they've got to at least show up. They can, I mean, the Ravens are a good team. They just got to at least play well. But I think the fan base right now is at a point where a majority is just saying, you know what, it's okay, we're a game in, we've, we've, we've had slow starts in the past, we're going to have slow starts again. It's okay, you're just going to fight through it, and at the end of the season we're going to look back and laugh at this game. I don't think that should be the attitude. I think there should be a little bit of urgency at some point. But that's where we are. I think, again, is the season over? No, it's a game. It's a game in the NFL. There's 17 of them. So we're fine. Bengals are fine. But if you have to ask me what, what the state of the fan base is, everybody, I, I, I'd probably say everybody's okay. Everybody's, you know what, it's just a loss. It's a bad game. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I would understand that point. I think that's more than fair. Um, but for whatever reason, if I was a Bengals fan, then uh, I think I'd, I'd just harken, harken back and say, you know what, we got Joe Burrow. Everything's going to be A-okay. That's why I got paid a boatload of money is because Joe Burrow shows up when it means the most. 
And although I did make fun of the defense a little bit, giving up 206 yards on the ground, I do think that you could take a little bit of solace in thinking that the, the defense did look solid. It looked solid. It didn't get completely ran over, per se. Um, working on Rapine now to come on the show. I know that, uh, unfortunately, they're having some technical issues, I do believe. But as soon as he's ready to go, oh, we're ready. Then, we're ready. Uh, and we're ready, because that's how it goes. All right. Without further ado, because I don't know how to say that, James. I've been made fun of all day <laughs> about how I can't say that or, or whatever it is. But without further ado, James Rapine. James, how are you doing, man? I, you're, you're busy. You're smiling. It's, it's got to be a, a – you got, you got a little one. I remember you having a little one. How's life? Mm -hmm. Life's great. Yeah, no complaints here. Farther ado. I have not heard that. You're right. You can't yeah. say further ado, huh? I can't say farther ado. I don't, I don't know how to say it. I'm, I'm going to continue to say it wrong. You know why? Because in life, sometimes you realize you're not good at things. If, but if you admit that you're not good at it, then everyone else can't really make fun of you a whole lot. So that's what I'm hoping is going to happen. We'll see how it goes. Uh, all right. Not the best start for the Cincinnati Bengals, clearly. Uh, you go up to Cleveland. It feels like you have a chance to redeem the past. That didn't quite happen. Uh, now you look back in hindsight and you start to ask questions that maybe are meaningful, maybe they're not. The first question I have for you is, is do you think there's reasonable concern for fans that just don't think that Joe Burrow is actually healthy? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's reasonable because it was by far the worst game we've seen from him. He didn't look comfortable. And while you can say, oh, well, that's because of Cleveland's pass rush or the weather, all of these things. Yesterday, when he's asked about the calf, he doesn't want to say, oh, no, we're 100%. He doesn't go there. He's, he's very cryptic about it. And you, you, give a, you get a five-word answer about working through it when asked about how comfortable he is moving out of the pocket and stepping up and everything that goes with that. Now, maybe he's going to be completely comfortable on Sunday. But until we see that, all we have is what we've seen post-calf injury. And in that one game, obviously there were conditions that weren't great, especially for someone coming off of a calf injury, a calf strain. But he, he obviously didn't look like himself. So we will see, but I certainly get the concerns and understand them. And until we see him go out there and play like the normal Joe, I think that the calf injury is going to be a topic that we continue to discuss. Yeah, and to your point, I guess you could venture to say that that's a little bit of a crutch that people will use for Burroughs' play, but maybe perhaps he just had a, had a bad game, and that's what we get to find out this week if he's able to bounce back. And to, to Joe's point, I think he had mentioned something along the lines that uh, that there's a reason that that they've had success in the past, and it's because they've bounced back from performances like that before, and they plan to do it again. All right, a couple different other topics I want to get into. Lionel Collins, obviously, is a, is a, is a name that was highly regarded coming in from last uh, last season. He was, he was supposed to be Joe Burrow's bodyguard. It almost reminds me of just the stark reminder that is the NFL is the not-for-long league. And, and your overall thoughts on just what kind of his – I don't want to say career because it wasn't much of one, but – his tenure with a, as a Bengal and what you felt like the, the, the real reason was behind why they decided to cut him. I know they said they liked their depth, but do you really believe that? What do you think the actual real reason was? It's dollars and cents and not physical dollars and cents. I, I don't think they have any problem spending on the offensive line. We've seen them do that over the past couple of years specifically, but it's more about, okay, you only have so much cap space to go around. You know who's coming up over the next year. 
T. Higgins, obviously, is a huge factor. But DJ Reader, Chidobe Awuzie, we could continue with guys that are, are going into contract years or could be extension eligible. We know Jamar Chase will be extension eligible next offseason. And they're clearing at least $13 million in cap space over this year and next year, maybe 14. It depends on if there was an injury settlement or not for Lyle Collins. We don't need to get into the weeds there. It's, it's pretty simple. He's 30. He's still not healthy. I, I think he was up and down in their eyes last year. And so do you want to commit that money to him this season when you know that there's a chance that he could contribute, but there's also a chance where he's he's not contributing and not a factor? And that's the part of it I, I, that I think is interesting now. You save that money, but I think the door is cracked for Lyle Collins to return to Cincinnati. If he doesn't get scooped up over the next couple of weeks, let's say the Bengals have an injury in that offensive line room. We've seen that over the past couple of, of years, of, of course. I wouldn't be shocked at all if they reach out to to Lyle Collins' agent and, and say, hey, well, let's try to make this work and bring him back. He knows the system and he can play right away. So I, I think that the door is cracked there at the same time. The Bengals save the cap space. And that's what this was to me, is a cap-saving move over the next couple of years where they can apply that money elsewhere that they that they deem is, is going to be more valuable on, on, and more valuable players. Do you, feel, do you feel like guys understand that? Or do you, do you like Lyle Collins, if he were to get asked to come back and call it a month, is, mm-hmm. is and, and you've obviously been around Lyle, is he the kind of guy that's going to have a, a little bit of a grudge there and feels like, hey, you guys just decided that you wanted to cut me to save some money and now you need me, so uh, best of luck? Or is it one of those situations where most of these guys that get it, it's a business, it's part of it's a part of doing business, and he'd happily come back? I know that's a very opinionated question, but just in your mm-hmm. general sense of being around this many guys in the locker rooms before, what what would be the thought of coming back if, if that were to be an option for Lyle? I, I certainly think he would be open to it. Now, the money has to be right. I don't know what the money would look like. The situation would be what it would have to be right. But Part of it was he's just not there yet. He's just not fully healthy. And whether it would take an, another month, another six weeks before he's out there, if you're the Bengals, do you want to commit that type of money, that type of cap amount to a guy that could miss half the season at least and isn't projected to crack your starting lineup anyways? I I, I think that's the other part of this. So, no, I knowing what I know about Lyle, he loved playing for Zach Taylor, player's first coach, they certainly were were player-friendly to him last year with how they managed him through back and ankle injuries. And I thought he was starting to reward them a bit before going down for the season on Christmas Eve. So we'll see. I could see him back at the same time. There's plenty of offensive line needy teams in the league, and I could see one of those teams going after him over the next month or so as he continues to get healthier and healthier. All right, speaking of dollars and cents, uh, there's this guy that wears number five now that everybody continues to bring up in conversation after conversation about extensions or whether or not there's even Johnny room. Bench. Okay. Yeah, Johnny Bench. Johnny Bench is the is the guy that uh, most people are discussing these days. I'll tell you what, they probably have a bobblehead of him down at Great American Ballpark next week if you don't watch out, but that's here nor there. Um, T. Higgins, what's the expectation? Is there an expectation? Is it behind closed doors? Does everybody kind of know what's going on, or is there still speculation? Is it up in the air? I know that uh, T and his team have kind of said they're putting football first, so they'll worry about the extension later type thing. But at this point, it seems like the writing's on the wall. From the outside looking in, your overall thoughts on the extension and what the Bengals are going to do going forward. Here's why T's team would say that. 
Justin Jefferson's deal didn't get done. There are multiple receivers in that draft class that didn't get done. I don't think Brandon Ayuk has an extension in San Francisco. Like th those are guys that you could look at and say, all right, well, this can give us a blueprint of where the receiver market's going versus where it is currently, because it's going to continue to go up. And so I get T's camp from that perspective. So that's why they're probably going to play it out. I don't anticipate a deal getting done between now and, you know, four weeks from now or any time during the regular season. And that's an, another point as to why moving on from Lael from a cap perspective, player-wise, I would love to keep him because he is great insurance. But from a cap perspective, if you can roll over the money you saved this year, at least $6 million in cap plus the $7 million next year, that's over half of what the franchise tag is going to be for T. Higgins. So if you have to tag him, you have more space uh, to, to do so because that's what the Bengals have to do here. You can't just let T. Higgins walk. He's too talented, too valuable of a position, too hard to replace. I know people think receivers grow on trees and it's really easy to do. It's not. Ask the Titans. They probably wish deep down that they kept A.J. Brown. So if you're the Bengals, try to keep T. I think they're going to continue to, to have dialogue with his, his agent and, and hopefully keep him and sign him to an extension. But if not, you can fall back on that franchise tag. And if I had to guess today – Trace, that, that's where I think it goes, is the Bengals tag T. Higgins this coming offseason. He probably has a big year, despite what happened in Cleveland, and, and they place the franchise tag on him to keep him in town for at least one more season. All right, looking forward, obviously uh, the past performance is something that hopefully you, you kind of burn the tapes on, everybody forgets about, but it seems like one of those <laughs> games that that's pretty hard to do. Easier said than done, as they say. Do you feel like there's any lingering effects, at least being around the team, from what happened this past Sunday? Or do you think they've completely moved on and they're ready to face the Ravens this Sunday? Oh, I think they've moved on. And this team is really good at doing that, more so than than most teams I've been around. And I think it's because Burrow's able to set a tone. But these guys have just kind of uh, adapted to it. And, and Chase has that same mindset and mentality. T, the same thing. Think about it with T. Higgins. Potential contract year. I know I just said the tag. But contract year, his first game goes horrible. Part of it's his fault, but certainly part of it's Joe Burrow's fault. And he doesn't have a catch. And I talked to him yesterday, and there's no sign of that, no sign of frustration. I think they're just focused on the Ravens. So however they do it, I'm not sure I could do it that like they can, and maybe that's why they're professionals, but uh, they're able to compartmentalize, and I think they're focused full steam ahead on Baltimore. All right, speaking of the Ravens, what what's the biggest takeaway as you look forward to this Sunday that you think that uh, in order for it to go a little bit better for the Cincinnati Bengals, this needs to happen? It's a difficult spot because the Bengals' offense was awful on Sunday in Cleveland, and it's not like they performed well against Mike McDonald, the, the Ravens defensive coordinator last season. Three matchups. They were all one-score games. They were all kind of slugfests. And I know that end-of-season game, the regular season game with the coin flip, was kind of weird, and it was hard to stay focused. Even for me, it was hard to stay focused. So I'm sure the team struggled there. But the offense, it's not like they dominated. And so it, it's a, a tough position to be in. But if you were going to play the Ravens, this might be the week because they're probably going to be without Ronnie Stanley, their starting left tackle, their starting center, Tyler Linderbaum, who's arguably their best offensive lineman. And not just there, they're going to be out without Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Williams, a cornerback and safety, 
arguably two of their three best defensive players. It's a banged up secondary. They're missing some weapons. J.K. Dobbins tore his Achilles last week, which sucks, but it's it's really unfortunate. But he's a big part of their offense. So they're shorthanded. And, and if you're the Bengals, you have to take advantage on both sides of it. And, and going into this game, there's a few questions. Can you solve the Mike McDonald riddle that is the, the Bengals offense has stubbed their toe on last season three times? And if you do that, then, okay, what about Burrow's health? And then the other part, of course, is Lamar Jackson because he's always the wild card. It, can you contain Lamar Jackson? They have plenty of experience doing it. They're going to have to do it again on Sunday. All right, final question. You mentioned T. Higgins obviously having zero catches. I'd also venture to say that the Jamar Chase is in the same camp. I know he, he obviously at least caught a ball, but as far as effectiveness and as far as successful, uh, a successful game to the eyes of, of Jamar Chase, I expect that he wouldn't have been too pleased. Is that group, if you will, that is uber talented, right? I mean, you could make the case that that's the best receiving core in the entire NFL. Do you feel as if that there are no lingering effects at all and Jamar Chase doesn't have any kind of, uh, I guess, apprehensions of what happened last Sunday or, or I guess, to your point, have they all moved on? I, I think they've, they're they hungry to get out there and and have some success from, from that aspect. I, I think they were pretty angry after the game and, and how it went. And that's about as frustrating of an offensive performance as you could have, you know, in a video game let alone real life. And, and they had to re they had to live it and then relive it on the plane ride home. And then again on Monday as they looked at film. So yeah, I, I expect Jamar Chase, especially against a banged up secondary. I really want to hammer that home. No Marlon Humphrey, assuming he doesn't make, he didn't practice on Wednesday, didn't play last week. I don't think he's going to play. Marcus Williams definitely isn't going to play. You got to be able to take advantage now. Even if Burrow's at 85% and not doing everything with this offensive line, you need them to take a step forward. It isn't that Cleveland front. So you got to find a way to get the ball to your weapons in space. So we'll see if they can do that. That's certainly my expectation is for them to get into a rhythm. It might not be lights out Bengals offense, but it needs to be much, much better than it was last week. Well, it's not going to be much of an easier task. Obviously, the Ravens are, are, are known for their defense for a reason. And we'll see you and we'll find out and we'll talk about it again. James, I appreciate you coming on this show. I am not Tom. And uh, without further ado, I think I'll let you go. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. All right. See you, James. I, I mean, listen, I don't know how to say it. Okay. I, I don't know how to say it. Without farther ado, I think we're going to beat that dead horse. I'll, I'll tell you what. I'm going to do my best to figure it out. I'll come back tomorrow better than ever, as always, and I'll be ready to deliver. I'm not going to try to work this shop, workshop this on the fly. No, right. can't do that. Can't do that. Um, all right, you heard the man. I, this is how I feel about it. I think that uh, saving the money, yes, is important, but I think more importantly, it's important to make sure that next year you have the ability to franchise tag T. Higgins and, you, and, you, and you're prepared for it. So I think that's where it's going to go, fellas. I don't think T's going to get an extension. I think he's going to get tagged, and they're going to be trying to hopefully find a replacement within uh, the two-year stretch. Could be wrong, but of the two guys, I think they've made it pretty clear that Jamar Chase is probably the guy they're going to extend an offer to, yeah. and T. Higgins is going to be the one that, unfortunately, they might have to let walk. Maybe not. Maybe not. But I think it, if, if nothing else... Uh, he'll get franchise tagged next year, and we'll keep it moving. But the beautiful thing about football is that's next year, and this is this year. 
Um, what's the line currently stand at for the Ravens v Bengals down at Paycor Stadium? Is it still at three, three and a half? Three Where are we half, at? Three, yeah, last I checked, it was three and a half on Betfred Sportsbook, which is the greatest sportsbook on the planet. Yeah. On the planet. Three and a half, planet. even money. Even money. So don't got to play any juice for that. Don't okay. have to play any juice for the hook. Over under set at 46. And like we said right before James went on about you asked, how are we going to feel if the Bengals lose again? I'll, I'll just reiterate the point that if the Bengals lose, but it's a competitive game, you know, back and forth, they, they do some nice things. The offense gets rolling a little bit. I'm not, I'm not going to panic. Obviously, you don't want to start the season out 0-2, but they did it last year. I will panic if it's more of the same and something's clearly wrong with Joe Burrow and, you know, they have 120 yards of passing offense again. Then I'd be in a full-blown panic because, like you guys like to tease me for about when I say it doesn't matter what it looks like if you win. Well, I would would argue that it it definitely matters what it looks like when you lose. Like (laughs) when you're trying to read into the tea leaves about what this season's going to look like. Looking forward, if, if it's two straight weeks to start the season and the offense looks absolutely putrid, putrid talent, then yeah, it would look, it, it, it's, not, it's not good. Not good. I didn't get it until the end. Uh, no, I, I think if, if the Bengals lose last week 24-17 and they looked efficient, it just didn't go their way, 24-20, something like that, nobody's, nobody's as upset. That's, that's a loss in the NFL that happens. A road divisional game, those losses happen. To have your offense not show up at all, to have your $275 million quarterback throw for 80 yards in in an NFL game, you can't have it happen. If it happens again, like Reed says, there's a serious issue, a very serious issue, and that's panic button. That is the panic. Not only because you look look horrible and you look atrocious, it's because you're now 0-2 in division games, which, I mean, almost essentially, and I hate to say that, but it would almost knock you out of winning winning the division. If you if you lose if you go zero and two to to start start the year both divisional games it's difficult to win the division at that point. For for what it's worth, when when we're talking about perception and we talked about it earlier with with Tyler Stevenson and Ellie De La Cruz, you're basing your perception off of what you've seen, and when you've only seen one week of the Cincinnati Bengals, like if this if last week's game happened week seven and the Bengals were five hundred and Correct. it just it was just a terrible week. You just blow by and be like, all right, that was pretty shitty. That was a pretty bad Sunday. Let's just move on to the next week. But it's when when it's all you have seen of the team this year, you have no options but to start to be like, all right, what's going on here? You don't have any positive things to look at and be like, well, at least this happened. At least this happened earlier this year. No, it's it's simply just one week. That's the whole perception we have, and it was terrible. It was un, an unmitigated disaster. Absolutely no mitigation. Yeah, it's it's almost impossible to look back if you hindsight's twenty twenty and all that. But every year, teams are going to go have games like this. The the Bills lose to the Jets without scoring a touchdown in the middle of the season last year. Uh, the Ravens do the same thing to the Giants last season. Th- these things happen. But when you start out the season like that, it's so difficult to get back in track because you haven't shown anything yet. Uh, but right now, if the Bengals can bounce back week two, that week one loss is nothing. If you win, if you win against the Ravens, the Browns' loss, chop it up as a loss that just happens in the NFL. No harm, no foul. Trace, I think earlier this week you said Aaron Rodgers a couple years ago. Week one, they played the Saints. The Packers played the Saints. Saints. They played the Saints, Saints lost like, thirty-eight to three. And I and I know this sounds wild to say, I wasn't worried at all. It's just like what you have Aaron Rodgers, you're going to win football games. It's as simple as that. And that's how I feel. That's how I was wondering if you felt about Joe Burrow. I, I I'd assume that you do. The guy just got paid the highest 
paid contract in NFL history for a quarterback. So you would like to think that that's the type of quarterback that you have. You're just not even worried about it. Like, to your point, though, and to the, to the point of many, if he's not healthy, that's a different thing. If he's not healthy, that's a different thing. And uh, maybe, but here's the thing. When I watched that game last Sunday, none of me really felt like, oh, wow, Joe Burrow is just not healthy. It, it never really looked that way to me. It just looked like, okay, this is a sloppy game. He's getting pressure a lot. It's raining really hard. The Bengals should probably consider running the football a little bit more than they are. But you know what happens when you have Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd? I guess we want. Do we want to include Irv Smith Jr. in that? Yeah. Do we? Is he a fair, is, is he allowed to be a part of that group or no? Mm. Ir, Irv Not Smith, yet. I don't think passed the, the first no? down marker okay. last week. All right. So Irv Smith Jr. doesn't get brought up in that in that chain of command. There, he's just in. The, we're going to leave him out until he gets brought in. It's it's it's, a, it's a, this is a club that you're in. You got to find a way to get in. He's not been invited by anybody else yet. But when you have all of those guys, it's easy to understand why Zach Taylor and or Joe Burrow would check out of things and want to throw the football. That's that's a pretty advantageous thing to have is all of those weapons. The issue is, is as, as we already know, is that there are certain times where you have to play bully ball. There are certain times where no matter how enticing it may be to try to throw a quick little hitter to Jamar Chase when he has one-on-one coverage on the outside, as, as enticing as that may be, the right play is to still hand the ball off to Joe Mixon and let him get three, four, five yards. Easier said than done. If I was a Bengals fan, would I be panicking? No, I don't think I would be. Wouldn't be panicking at all. The only way I'm panicking this season, quite frankly, if I'm a Bengals fan, is if Joe Burrow is, in fact, hurt or his play has regressed so much that I start to concern myself over, was it a flash in the pan? Which is a ridiculous statement to make, okay? I am not suggesting that's what he is. I know you guys are like looking at me like I'm crazy. That's the only way I'd be concerned this year, is if you thought to yourself for a second, that Joe Burrow is not healthy and or he was a flash in the pan and he was masked by a great defense and some weapons and he went on a, and he went on a really good two-year run. Carson Wentz style or something. But I don't think that's what Joe Burrow is, to be fair. But that's the only way I'm getting worried about Yeah, I'm, I'm trying fan. to think in, in my memory of any, any flash in the pan quarterbacks that play Joe Burrow style. And, and Carson Wentz is obviously the first one that comes up. You know, he was thought to be an MVP going forward. And that just just wasn't the case. I mean, I, can you guys think of any other? I, I literally I cannot think of another guy besides besides Carson Wentz. So it's it's not in my brain at all. I, Joe Burrow is a guy. Yeah, I don't we think saw that we close. saw that from his first start against the the Chargers week one back in 2020. And we saw that right from the get go that he was a guy, and he's only proven it. I'm not going to let one bad week or even two to three to four bad weeks make me think anything other than that Joe Burrow is our franchise quarterback and will lead us to the promised land, the land of milk and honey and Super Bowl trophies. Even if there was a flash-in-the-pan guy, that flash-in-the-pan guy certainly never went to a Super Bowl. So I, the Joe Burrow, the, the, yeah, the Joe Burrow's fine. Everybody calm down. Everybody's good. Bengals are going to win. Uh, I'm not concerned. I'm a little concerned if, if we're in the trust tree. I, I, I do think the Ravens might win this game. But, but if you show up, you show out, you're the better team on paper, you should win. Ravens are dealing with some injuries, like James said, so let's go, let's go win. Put, let's put up a 30-burger. Let's score 30 points. Let's beat him 30 to 20, and we'll call it a day. We'll go on to week three. Hey, what about Matt Ryan? Matt had Ryan. Two yeah, two really great receivers. Matt Ryan. Had a great, had a great defense. Went to the, AF the NFC Championship. He's made it to a Super Bowl. That's not a flash in the pan. He's, it's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, hey, Matt Ryan's a pretty damn good you quarterback, think, right? You think, you think he's going to be a Hall of Famer? I think it's borderline. I think it's pretty damn close. I think mm -hmm. Matt Ryan's absolutely pretty close into the Hall of Fame, yeah. 
Yeah, I, I mean, and Matt Matt Ryan went to the Super Bowl in in his age thirty first season, so like six years beyond where Joe Burrow is right now. Yeah, I mean, he, Matt Matt Ryan was a good quarterback. I mean, they had a winning season like eight out of his first ten years. Yeah, Sean Connery. Sean Connery. Sean Connery brings up an excellent point. He says uh, Kaepernick. That's a fair one. Now that is a fair one. Kaepernick. But, his, but, but his, here's the thing. Kaepernick that's a different won. Style. Kaep- that was a different Kaepernick style. won in a different style. He won in the fidget spinner style. You you can yeah. I, I very I very specifically said in the style that Joe Burrow plays. There Correct. hasn't been a pa- There hasn't been a flash in the pan other than maybe Carson Wentz, um, and Colin Kaepernick's Michael. Those styles. Those, there, there's been a lot of those. There's There's been quite a lot of those. Cam Newton-esque. Right, right. Those guys come and go. But I always argue with you when, when we do those things. You, you say that it's not sustaining, and I, I always argue that maybe, it, maybe it doesn't that's need not. To be. Yeah, maybe it doesn't need to be. Maybe the plan is you get these guys in your electric for four to five years, and then you try to do it in those four to five years, and then you say, hey, listen, you're not getting a second contract from us. Sorry, guy. Yep. I think that's a very fair point. That's that's the that's the best point Reed Mouse has made on this show in a while. In a while, and I think that's that's more that's more than fair. You don't always have to have a quarterback that's going to be there for ten to twelve years to have success in the NFL. You can find a guy that that, that to your point plays a really unique style, and they can find a way to to win you a Super Bowl. Cam Newton certainly comes to mind. I would even argue. Um, I don't know why my mind's drawing a blank right now. Hurts. I would I would argue that Jalen Hurts. He's a little bit of that type of style. He falls into that window, doesn't he? Yeah, I I think that Jalen Hurts could win you a Super Bowl, and if you're the Eagles, maybe that's why you go all in for the next two, three years or whatever it's been. And you could make the case that they – I think it's one of those things where if you get to the Super Bowl, your plan worked. It was successful. Whether or not you win or not, I get it. That's the ultimate goal. But if you get to the Super Bowl, it, it, it is what it is. The plan worked. And that's not to jump all over the place, but that's kind of my point with front offices in general, with even the Reds. Like, if the Reds were to get to the, you know, NLCS or something with this core, with this core of people, and they never won a World Series, okay, well, it still, it still was a successful, a successful endeavor. A non-successful endeavor is to 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 Elliot's point, going 20 years without winning a playoff series. It's pretty easy to say that something went wrong there. Uh, and most of the time, what went wrong is, is you have, you know, you have no plan. It's just shooting from the hip, hoping you can go out and find some free agents to fix a problem. And then they don't, they don't, they don't fix a problem. And then all of a sudden now you're in a hole because you traded your prospects and you did all this and you're left with nothing in the piggy bank. So, um, before we move on to the next segment, which is draft or die, dun, 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 no idea if we even have a, we don't even need a stinger. We don't, we don't have, have one today. Nope. We don't have a stinger. We'll make our own stinger. Draft or die. Dun, dun, dun. Do you want to talk about the the other the, the Thursday night game real quick before that? Sure. That seems like a good idea because before we pick our draft or die yeah. teams, uh, they could be one of these two teams. They certainly could be. It's Eagles-Vikings tonight. Uh, it's going to be a good game. Seven and a half point spread. The Eagles are favored. Uh, Eagles coming off of Seven sh- and a half. Six. Six and a half. Six. six. Sorry. Six. 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 Sorry. It was seven and a half earlier. It's been bet down. Eagles coming off a bad lo- bad win. And I won't say it. They've coming off a shaky win, a win they could have probably played better in uh, against the New England Patriots. But they got they escaped. They escaped Foxborough with a win. That's all that counts. Minnesota had a disgusting loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think it's going to be a blowout. I think the Eagles win forty-two to fifteen. 
It's going to be disgusting tonight. It's going to be absolutely disgusting. I think both teams are, or excuse me, I think the Eagles are a Super Bowl contender. I think the Vikings are probably going to finish in the cellar of the NFC North. It's going to be them or the Packers. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. I don't know what to think about the Minnesota Vikings yet. And I know that's the easy thing to see is like, I, I want to wait and see what they did. But, you know, they, they won 13 games last year. And I think we all pretty much saw it. And we're like, that's not a 13-win team in the NFL. You, you, sometimes you luck into a couple of wins. And I think they won a lot of one-score ball games. Um, so I, I really don't know what to think of the Minnesota Vikings. I still think that they are a playoff caliber team. I, I mean, you, you got Kirk Cousins, and I know you're on the, the side of Kirk Cousins is a pretty good quarterback, and he has shown that. Um, there, there's an S to him to where he shrinks in big games, but as we mentioned earlier, someone threw in there, he's 3-1 and one in Thursday night football games, so maybe, maybe we put that to rest. But uh, you're right, Elliot, about how the Eagles probably should have dominated that game in, in New England. They jump out to, what, a 16 nothing lead, yep. and then it just kind of dwindles, and you give Michael McCorkle-Jones a chance to, to win the game late. He throws for like 350-something yards. Um, so Kirk can throw. They've got the number one receiver in the league with Justin Jefferson. I don't have if, – if we're looking at spreads – I don't have an opinion on on who's going to cover either way. I definitely like the under at 49 and 49 points. I don't think this is a 28 to 24 ball game. I think it's going to be a low scoring affair. Take the under. Yeah, it is one of those things where the NFL um it's why it's the hardest league to to gamble on in my opinion because the margins are so small. They're so they're so small that you look down and you check the scores. You look at the box scores. You see the Buccaneers that are led by Baker Mayfield, of all people. They beat the Vikings 20-17. to 17. Then you check the Eagles and you, you already hark, you harken back and thinking that the Eagles obviously have been, they've been to the Super Bowl. They have Jalen Hurts, MVP caliber quarterback. You'd like to think that perhaps that they're probably just going to dominate. But this is the NFL. You just never know. I'm a Kirk Cousins I don't think I'm a Kirk Cousins guy, as Tom would say. But I do respect Kirk Cousins. I, 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 I used to make fun of Kirk Cousins thinking like, oh, man, this guy is, is getting paid a bazooka amount of money to play for the Vikings. He's not very good, this, that, and the other. I, 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 listen, I, I implore you to do the same thing. If you just watch him, watch him throw the ball tonight. He's, he's, he's actually pretty good. Unfortunately, it takes a lot to win in this league. And, and, and the Vikings defense has not really been uh, something that you would call the standard for quite some time. So for that reason, I think if you had to make me pick, I'm going to take I'm going to take uh, I'm going to take the Vikings to cover, but I don't think they win the game. And here's the thing about Kirk Cousins: as much as we all like to poke fun, primetime Kirk, that stuff does matter a little bit. Andy Dalton was historically the worst quarterback this century against the primetime slot. He was six and eighteen. As, a, as an NFL quarterback in primetime games. Kirk Cousins does have a little bit of that, and I think Kirk Cousins' talent level is Andy Dalton. I think he's a little bit better than Andy Dalton. I think, his ceiling's, a lot more talent I think his ceiling's higher than Andy Dalton, but they're pretty similar quarterbacks, uh, especially in terms of winning big games. So I, I, I don't bet on those quarterbacks. I don't like those kind of quarterbacks. And for that reason, I'm going to take the Eagles to smash them. I th but I do think two bad secondaries. I think there's going to be a lot of points scored. I think there's going to be a lot of points scored tonight. I don't like Reed's pick, but I respect Reed's pick. Fair enough. Uh, a couple other names in the chat really quickly. Yeah. Uh, to hark to, I keep saying Harkin, and I'm going to get in trouble for that. People are going to make fun of me because I have all these idioms. That's what happens when you talk a lot on a microphone. Um, RG3, same boat as the fidget spinner camp. 
Uh, same idea, yeah, he was same concept. A, he was good for a year, and he got really like, hurt. He got hurt really bad. Right. Like that's 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 kind of a, a tough one. Uh, Nick Foles got brought up. Nick Foles was kind of a backup kind of guy, so I, I wouldn't even right. really. You can't put him. He, he wasn't supposed he was, to be a guy, but he was really good. And Nick Foles was really really good for the time he was in. He was he was good for a minute. He was the definition of a flash in the pan because no one ever thought that Nick Foles was going to be a guy sustaining in the league. It wasn't like like we we thought Carson Wentz was going to be a prolific quarterback in this league. We thought he was going to be an MVP candidate for years to come, and he just didn't turn out to that. Nick Foles had a miracle run that everyone was like, this is awesome, this is this is great, but I don't want Nick Foles starting for my team next year. I think the only, one, the only other one I found was like Derek Anderson. Derek Anderson was good at the beginning of his career and then just became blech. Well, I was going to say, well, what about like a Donovan McNabb? Donovan Derek, McNabb. I, Derek I was Carr? Thinking, I was thinking uh, Joe Flacco in the – Playoffs. Ooh, Joe, Joe Flacco. Flacco is not a bad pick. Joe Flacco is not bad. Joe Flacco wasn't bad though. But he he had a, he had the he one was, season. And yeah, he was he was. We were talking. Is this guy elite? Is this guy elite for like three four years? And then it just was abundantly evident that he wasn't. And and before we move on, if it's okay, I, I think we do have some mail. And I, I I pre-read the question a little bit. I wanted to get familiar with our with our second grade student. So we do have a mailbag. If that's okay, guys. I think it's perfectly fine. The mailbag. Chatterbox mailbag. We just got a letter. We just got a letter. We just got a letter. I wonder who it's from. Thanks, Elliot. All right, so now we're going to go to the Chatterbox mailbag. Here we go. Let me get my paper. Let me get my sheet. And this question, I believe, hold on. Here we go. Today's question comes from Mrs. O'Reilly's class. And this is Little Billy Joe. Little Billy Joe. Billy Joe asked, DeAndre Swift, by all metrics, is an efficient running back. With a rushing succession rate of 45% and an average of 4.5 yards per carry over the course of his three-year career, both well above the average in the National Football League, how is it that he only had one carry against New England Patriots in the rushing first offense of the city of brotherly love's Philadelphia Eagles? How is it that possible, Trace? Health. I guess is the only answer I have for Billy Joe. Uh, Billy, let's drop the Joe, though, okay? Between you and me, let's drop the Joe. Uh, how, how, how old are we? What grade are we in? Second grade. Second, Second grade. grade. All right, you can keep the Joe. A couple more years. All right, fifth grade, you got to drop the Joe. Billy Joe, fifth grade, you're just Billy. All right? Um, in regards to the, uh, the, the question, DeAndre Swift, drafted by the Lions, traded. To the Eagles. That's correct. Good running back. Just so happens to be out of the University of Georgia, of course. Dogs. <laughs> I, I don't. I, I mean, it's hard to answer that question. I guess health is the only reason. I, I, do you have a good reason why, Elliot? I don't know why. Can, why would a guy so, only get Casey's one? one? Casey's raising his hand. Well, DeAndre Swift is probably starting tonight. Kenneth Gainwell is out. Okay. All so, right. So Kenneth Gainwell, by the way, was the backup running back on the depth chart coming into last week, but he had 15 carries. DeAndre Swift had one. There was really no reason for it. I don't understand why DeAndre Swift isn't utilized. Billy Joe did write a second question here, and this is a follow-up question for Billy Joe. Uh, what's your favorite color? Mine? Yeah. Or just, I guess, in general. That's I like, a, uh, I like like a, a light tealish blue. Right. Uh, Turquoise-ish. I like Doesn't, green. You're, you're a green guy? Yeah. You would. You like money. Um, yeah, I like blue. I like royal blue. Well, Casey? Blue? Casey? Yeah, I'm a blue guy. Royal blue, guy? blue or what? Yeah, royal blue. Okay. Yeah. 
It doesn't seem like you have a hard stance. All right, really quickly, really quickly, uh, something else. Ron's going to get mad at us really fast. The viewership's going to drop off completely. Uh, The most underrated color in the spectrum that is colors is... Got to make it fast. We're going to lose all our viewers. Gray. Go, Elliot. Most underrated? Most underrated. Gray. Okay. Orange. I think it's a jovial color. I like the color of orange. I think a nice, specific, good-looking purple. Man, all those colors I were I was gonna say. So uh, I'll just say well, purple you can as pick well. Purple as well. All right, fair enough. There you go. Now you know a little bit more about the people that are in this room if you didn't already. Um, draft or die. Let me re-explain the rules. We're gonna do this every Thursday. It's a simple game. It's a snake draft. It's a snake draft. You pick one team. It goes down the line. Comes back. You pick another team. If both of those teams lose, you are then required to stand in front of the camera, read from a fake teleprompter, and it's basically just going to be roast jokes the whole time. And if you laugh, you basically have to reread the jokes until you don't laugh. Okay. I like that. That's what we're going to do. The jokes in total can't last for more than 30 seconds. So when you read it normally, it should last... 30 seconds or less. This can't be some crazy long monologue. Those are the rules. So we're going to start draft or die. One would ask, how are we going to get the draft order? I think we pull out something that's been a staple on box lunch for years. Yeah. Something that we've come accustomed to doing. Something that we know that you can always rely on. It's either the wheel or the race. Which of the two would you guys like to use? The wheel or the race? Casey, what's easier for you over there? <laughs> Let's do the race. I like the race too. Okay. All right. I was going to vote race. Bum, bum, bum. This is a four team. And by four team, a four person race between Casey, myself, Elliot, and Reed. The way this is going to work is it's a snake draft. First place picks first. Second place picks second. Third place picks third, fourth place picks fourth, fourth place picks fifth, third place picks sixth, second place picks seventh. This is good. First stuff place here. picks eighth. Yeah, that was that good. was elite. I, was I mean, I don't brag podcast. a lot, but that I mean was that was that, that could have been good. a tongue twister, and I nailed it. I nailed it. I was also trying to buy some time for Casey to get this race a moving, and they're off. My gosh. It's a lot of I mean, questions. This is a lot of questions. <laughs> a lot of questions. Here we go. Here we go. On your marks. Get set. Go. And Reed is not that Reed fast in real life, but there he goes. He's across the 10. <laughs> Trace has yet to the 15. Trace has yet to leave the end zone. Trace's guy is not moving out. fast. He's at the 10. <laughs> Elliot making a push to did, the 20. Did Gapper tackle me? And how long is this going to take? Oh, 25. Reed with a little bit of a plunge. Oh. Casey's making a move at the bottom. Trace at the top. This is taking entirely too long, but that's okay. We're going to no, keep no, it moving. Right Trace. you got to soak this in. Place if your this bets. was a real race, is winning. I mean, I'm going to come To the 45. To the 40. Trace, this would be, this would be, a, this to would the be 30. A, a great comeback. A Five. storied comeback. <laughs> To the 30. Who's going to finish last? Looks like Reed's just stuck in mud. Oh, to man. the 15. Oh, to the 20. 
No, to the 20, not the 15. Trace and Elliott, it's going to be close. It's going to be close. Oh, no. A last second push. Oh, yes. You got to wonder. I'll take first. I love it. And you're going to, you got to wonder if Trace is on the juice after that athletic Uh performance. Did I surpass Casey? No. Oh, maybe not. I think I'd actually rather down the very end. Oh, this is so close. Who do you oh. really what, – what spot do you really want? I mean, that's a good question. You definitely I definitely want think, the first. You think so? Well, yeah. I Then you have the eighth pick. I mean, I think the fourth, you get two you solid get ones. You both wrong, though, right? Yeah, you've seen them both wrong. That's true. This All is, right. This is true. I'm last. This is true. Trace is first. All right. Elliot's second. Reed is third. Uh. All right. Um, oh, Casey lost that? Yep. I did. So, oh, man, are, how, you're picking first, right? I am picking first with the first pick of the draft or die draft of week number two. Trace picks the Dallas Cowboys to defeat the New York Jets. I don't hate it. All right, uh, I'm going to go with the Eagles tonight. Eagles tonight. Against the Vikings. Okay. Okay. I will take the Buffalo Bills over the the Raiders. Ooh. Um I'm going to take I'm going to take the San Francisco 49ers versus the Rams. You're up again, up CC. again. Ooh, I get to pick again. Snake. That's how this goes. Snake a snake. Snake. I'm a snake. Man, this is tough. Um, I'm going to take a. I'm going to take the New England Patriots at home. Who they got? Miami. Oh wow! Wow! What the hell are you doing? <laughs> what Go are ahead, you doing? Are you Go trying ahead. to lose? They're Go three ahead. point underdogs. What are you doing? I don't think you understand the objective of the game. Breeds up. I mean, we just eliminated a, a, a team that wasn't even an option. Um, man, I'm looking through these games. I think that the Cardinals are poopy water, so give me the New York Giants on the road. I like it. I'll, I will take, um, oh, I hate to go full shtick here. I really hate to do it, but I'm going to ride with Casey's guy, Desmond Ritter. If we're going to go shtick, we're going to ride with Desmond Ritter against the, the Green Bay Packers. That's Falcons are at home. I love our chances. going to be a great year for the Falcons. Mm. Pick the Packers. Do it. Do it. Do it. If you have any gumption, you do it. Got any gall. Do you have gumption? Do you have gall? None. All right, folks. I am going to take... I am going to take... This is not easy. No, it's not. I'm, I'm going to take Tampa Bay. I'm going to take Tampa Bay. Uh, right. the, Brown, the, 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 the Bears are they're, they're just bad. <laughs> they're bad. They're not a good football team. They're just not. So, it seems like an easy win. So, I'll be happily. I'll be 2-0. Good luck to the rest of you guys. It's the battle of your two shticks. Baker Mayfield's good and Justin Fields stinks. I think Baker Mayfield is decent. Definitely. And for the record, decent. we're not keeping total records for this. This is just. No. Survive in advance. Okay. You win one, you win, you win one, you advance. 
That's right. And I mean, you advance every week, no matter what. This isn't a survivor league. This is just a, this is just trying to avoid the embarrassment of having to do something that probably you don't want to do. Okay. All and right. In fact, if the chat has other things they would like us to do outside of just the teleprompt thing, uh, by all means, we're we're open for it. As long as it doesn't mean that someone's going to get hurt and or possibly killed. Or we'll eat a cricket. It. What's that? Or eat a cricket. I would like to not eat a cricket. If that were yeah. to be an option again, I would like that to not be. You put that up on yourself. Yeah, but I made a mistake. I didn't. I mean, I made a, I made a crucial error when I made that. Yeah. And again, people are going to say I didn't eat the cricket. I ate the cricket. Everybody saw it. Mouse cop knows. I ate a wing. Did I eat the whole cricket? No, but I ate a wing. Cheers. All right, any lines tonight, any props that we like, we're going to go Ooh, in perhaps the in the vault with Betfred Sportsbook. <laughs> in the vault. All right, tonight, as mentioned before on this program, the Philadelphia Fighting Eagles face the Minnesota haven't won anything ever, Vikings. I'm going to take the Vikings getting six and a half points. Why? Because it seems like a lot. Is that a good enough answer for you? I don't know. Reed, he's already said he likes the total. Um, you like what total exactly? I like the under. I think I don't think this is going to be a game near the – I mean, 49 points in the NFL is a lot. They're – they're judging that this game's going to be like a 28 to 24 game. I don't think it's that kind of a game. I really don't. I think it's I think it's going to go under. I if you want me to give you a prop, I like Swift to get 35 yards. 35 yards, it's about even money. I like it too. Uh, I am going to go AJ Brown first half touchdown score plus 575 responsibly take out a loan at the bank and you put it all in this. A.J. Brown, plus 575 on Bedford Sportsbook, the greatest sportsbook in the man. Also, take the over. It's 48 and a half. Take the over. Well, I, uh, I usually uh, kind of zig when you guys zag. I got a parlay for you. 225 passing yards from Kirk Cousins. That's Love doable. That. Justin Jefferson, touchdown score. That's easy. Mm. I have the under at 52 and a half. I think that that's reasonable. I think the game can be a 28 to 24 game. And then Jalen Hurts to throw a touchdown. That's plus 500 on a four-leg parlay. I like that a lot. Casey and his parlays. I tell you what, man, parlays are fun. They're just not a. They're just not a winning. And there's just not a winning formula there. Uh, but you know what? They yeah, are the fun system's been real it. winning lately. What's that? The system. All the guys making fun of the system. The He's system hasn't won a bet yet. I mean, I we're, love that. I, I come in. Here's five, a hundred. Five hundred in college football. Let, what let me go. About? Let me go into a little story. I come into the office and, and you know Trace comes over to me and he whispers, "Listen, man, I've got I've got perhaps the greatest system gambling's ever seen." And we do. It's never lost. It never will lose. I bet it. I'm zero three on the system. Zero and three. I haven't won yet. Turns and, out the and, only and, thing be, and if I'm going to be honest, and if, I, if I'm going to be honest, the system hasn't been close. I mean, these are fifty-point victories. Well, what's it matter if it's closer? If it's a blowout? What do you mean it doesn't matter? It matters. What do you mean it doesn't? It does. It literally doesn't matter. It does you, matter. You don't almost win it. I would prefer losing a bet by a billion than it be, being close. No, but see, because then you can just turn it off. But you don't see, have to, yeah, to but see if the shtick is that the if the thing is going to win, it should at least be close losses. They're not close. They're just blowouts. Can I mean, we can we can we can we can we come loss. to can we come to grips with what, what what's going on right now? 
All right, we have a guy in here that unfortunately hasn't won the system bet. And I think we've realized around the office that we got to give it a little bit of time. I know that sounds like a cop-out excuse. I know it does. But there needs to be perceptions that are that are built within a season, and they're going to come out in full force. And when we see a good system play, we are going to know it, and we will take advantage of it. And it's going to happen within a couple weeks. It's going to happen. I'm laying low for a little bit of time. I'm going to wait until I see the system start to, start to pan itself out. But this system has... A track record similar to Joe Burrow. I believe in Joe Burrow. I believe in the system. Just because it's had a couple bad weeks, one bad game, two bad games, maybe three bad games. Not even close, as Elliot said. I will pretty much guarantee you around late October, early November, uh, it's going to be curtains when it comes to the sports books. Why? Because we take we've taken money from Fred and we'll continue to take money from Fred. Because we like betting with Fred, with Betfred. Shout out to Betfred Sportsbook, 21 plus in Ohio. If you have a gambling problem, call 100 Gambler. Um, but I promise you, if you stick around and you pay attention long enough, you'll realize that when we get a little passionate, a little hot about a take around here and we start to feel really good about it, we're going to win some money. We are. It's happened every year. For like four straight years. That's fair. Four straight years. I'll tell you one way to lose money in gambling, and that is to bet parlays. I'm not saying they're not fun. I'm not saying they're not fun. I'm just saying if you're going to take gambling. And can I at least say something? I don't even know. Besides winning the money, of course, that's fun. I don't know if it's even fun gambling the way that I gamble. I'll, I'll be honest with you. It's 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 not fun. It's just, it's just, a, it's just a, such a, it's just... There's no emotion to it for me. It's just strictly, I look at numbers, I just bet it. I don't even watch the games half the time because it's just a systematic way of doing it, and it's won me money time and time and time again. But I do wish I could go back to listening to guys or being around a group of people, and they're just cooking up this parlay, and they're having fun, and they're actually trying to handicap it. They're trying to think about who's going to do what. I wish I could go back to that. So maybe that is okay because at the end of the day, you know what? Gambling is just a form of entertainment. Shouldn't be a form of making like money. And I've turned it into that, unfortunately. Do I have a gambling problem? I promise you that I don't. But I will tell you that I've won a good amount, considerable amount of money, and it's never been on parlays. It's been straight bet, straight bet, straight bet, straight bet. Yeah, but I'm, I'm parlays are fun. Parlays are very fun. I'm a responsible gambler, but I do have a dog. Her name is Juno. I'd like to be able to feed her. So if you could maybe give me a winner at some point, that'd be great. I'd love to have a winner so I can feed my dog. Her name is Juno responsibly all right <laughs> we've let elliot down we told him we had a system <laughs> we've given him three losers in a row and he's all the way out of the boat and by the way the system hates colorado we, the best team in college football we are so we are. i mean let's keep riding against dion let's just keep riding against him and we'll see how that works it's a fair point casey real quick actually can we do a cherry on top with that tweet i sent you about dion real quick See. Is that okay? Yeah, you just have to buy Casey time. That's yeah, how this so, goes. Yeah, so okay, so I'll, I'll, I'll preview this real quick. So I saw this. Deion Sanders came out, and he, uh, <laughs> Deion's ranked his children, and I thought it would be fun to to rank Deion Sanders' children, or maybe if you have any ideas on 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 that, if, if you enjoy Deion Sanders ranking his children, I have the list in front of me, Casey. It's in the JPEG Twitter group chat. Yep, I'm looking I, for it. 
Yep. So Deion Sanders, and I'll just read it. We'll show the post later. It was basically a birthday to his son, Deion Sanders Jr. He says, happy birthday to my favorite son, Deion Sanders. Uh, he's proud of you, blah, 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 blah. And then he says, you're the number one son and number one of the kids ranking currently. And he decided to post this. And here is his rankings of his children. At number one, we have Deion Sanders Jr. At number two, we have Shalom Sanders. Is that right? Shalomi Sanders. Uh, at number three, we have Sh Sh Shador Sanders. Is that right? We'll get through it. Number four, yeah, we'll get through it. Number four, DeAndre Sanders. And then number five, Shiloh Sanders. So those are Deion Sanders' ranking of his children. Just a good guy. You don't like that? If your parents ranked you and your sister, how would they rank? It's close. I mean, it's a close one. Uh, I'd, I'd probably say that based on what my sister thinks, my sister says I'm spoiled, so that she'd probably say I'm number one. But I don't think so. I think Jane is number one, my sister. Shout out, Jane. Trace, do you have a ranking for your children? I think that if any parent looked themselves in the mirror we and they go. were being honest with Here themselves, we go. Jordan, they, stop him. they would have – listen <laughs> – <laughs> they would have, at variable times, different rankings. They just would. If you want to say that I'm a bad parent, I'm a bad dad for saying that, then you're just lying to yourself, too. Because you all know it. If you have kids, there's times where you like one over the other. There are certain aspects of their life, and there's and there's certain moments where you're like, you know what, it's kind of fun to, to, to be a part of this person's life more than that one because this one thinks they know it all because they're smart, and they're 12 years old, and they got the world by the balls, and they know everything. And then the three-year-old, they just want to dance in the kitchen. Which one do you think that you would like more? And then there's the middle of the night when the three-year-old's screaming and yelling, and the 12-year-old's sleeping until 10, and you're like, you know what? At 3 in the morning, I kind of like the 12-year-old. It fluctuates. I think it's funny. I'll tell you what I think Dion's doing. Dion psychologically motivating his children through that, which I respect. I think it's actually a big league play. I think it's funny. You know what that tells me? I think he actually thinks that Deion Sanders, his son, is that his son, Deion Sanders Jr.? Yeah. I think he actually thinks that he's not getting enough love. He's kind of on the outside looking in. You know, Shador and his, and his other son, Shiloh, they get all the spotlight because why they're on the team. And it's just Dion and his other son. His other son is uh, is the is the video coordinator. And his, his daughter probably always gets overlooked because she's just not playing sports. And that's what everybody wants to talk about is Dion and his son's playing ball. So he's like, you know what? I'm going to go on Instagram and I'm going to put out a ranking and I'm going to give my other kids some love. I think that's honestly what it is. Yeah, that's fair. Reed, do you have a ranking for your dogs? Uh, yeah, Rizzo's number one, rookie's number two, and it'll pro I can't see a world in which that changes. Although I give a lot, a lot more attention to rookie because he's a, he's a special, special boy, and he he's not the smartest kid. So okay. uh, um, I'm easily, and when it comes to my dad, I I mean, I've been alive for 26 years, 27 years now, and I mean I've been number one in his his kids for at least 26 of them. My sister has snuck up recently, Katie Lou. She might be number one right now, but for the first 26, 25 years of my life, I was definitely my dad's favorite. Casey, last one. Do you have a ranking for your cats? Yeah. Um, Hazel, she ranks number one. She's the newest of the family. Then we got Maple. Maple's the youngest of the cats. And then we have Honey, the first original cat that we ever got, the oldest, and uh, she's the worst. So <laughs> That's brutal. I mean, that's just brutal analysis there for the, for the tough oldest. Tough day for that cat. <laughs> All right. You know, what else, you know what else might be a, another tough day for a cat is the Detroit Tigers. That's a big league segue, and that's where we're going to end it. The Reds play today at 110. Chatterbox Reds will be in full force. Daytime. Some daytime viewing.
turn off the Price is Right or whatever else people watch during daytime television and turn on the Cincinnati Reds. Because they play today, and Derek Law, of all people, is opening the game. That's exactly what you want to hear when you're in the middle of a playoff race. <laughs> you know it, and I know it. All right, we do this show every single day, Monday through Friday, which means we'll be here tomorrow. Why? Because it is from 10 A. to 12 which means tomorrow, Friday, we'll be back better than ever at 10 a.m. We'll see you then.